0: What does motion sound like? With Hands free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks.
1: Oh, it's a goal! Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So we've just two weeks to go ahead of the new season. We're back recording again, you know, like normal, following a brilliant intermission, which was the summer specials. We really hope you enjoyed those summer specials, which were on behavioural science, fandom, analytics in terms of their interaction with FPL. They were an absolute pleasure to record, but, you know, they were done back in June. Um, like literally, the Euros have been and gone since we recorded them. <laughs> so, we've not redone really anything, you know, live, as it were, for a whole month now, uh, meaning we're eagerly getting ourselves back in gear from now on ahead of the new season. Basically, it's normal service from here. Uh, we are, who got the assist? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FPL. Uh, my Irish friend Anthony here at FPL Stag, also on Instagram, WGTA.FPL. Make sure you give us a follow on those channels if you don't already and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get it. The other thing, please, um, if you haven't got around to it yet and you've enjoyed anything we've done over the last five years, give us a five-star review wherever you listen to us as they're greatly appreciated in terms of spreading the word of the pod. Uh, The lead code is 2IP43T. There's no jingle we can make around that. Just try to remember it and find it. It's on my bio, I think, on Twitter. And we're also on video for the first time solidly now. Um, I did not together a quick PowerPoint, which you guys can see here uh, if you are watching. Uh, but it's meant to be a visual support rather than the star of the show, as it were. We don't have the time or resources as amateur podcasters in full time employment to put together a proper, you know, edited, spankly take. I really love to, but I, I can't at the moment. So this more rustic look is what we're going to go for. It's always going to be audio first. Um, Head over to our YouTube if you prefer to watch rather than listen to us for whatever reason. But, you know, we are always going to kind of look at it audio first um, but if you do watch you may kind of see hear some things which don't make it into the edit and you can maybe kind of understand it better the magic of editing uh, that i try to put through anyway it's been a month anthony even though to listeners because they had all the summer specials it, it kind of felt like we were with them every week it's been a month since we've spoken like this you are right did you enjoy the euros
0: Yeah, Tom, I I absolutely love the Euros. It's actually incredible how much time feels like it has passed since those Euros at this point. Like it's only a handful of weeks, but those Euros were amazing. They had everything good goals, great matches, probably the best night of football. That I would ever remember anyway, the Croatia, Spain, and France, Switzerland night, a night oh. that we were trying to record a podcast. <laughs> oh,
1: this is, that was a terrible idea, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, a podcast which I was recording, but I was really, in truth, just focusing on the France, Switzerland game on my phone for the whole entire yeah. thing. Yeah. I think
1: this kind of format of us being on video would not have worked for that no. because it was just like, right, hang on, hang on, guys. <laughs> my... Hang on, hang on, do shoot that now. All
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. And look, and in the end, Italy were a great team to watch. They use a really interesting system that relied on so much movement and tactical intelligence. And I thought they were deserving winners of the tournament all in because of that. And so, you know, it was it was just a good tournament all in all. This podcast, of course, we're bringing us back to FPL and might as well get to it. Uh, We're going to be looking at doing our full pricing analysis. We're going to do this as well as we can in a reasonable length of time. What we're not doing in order to do that is going club by club, running through player by player. More power to those that do do that. We've done it in previous years and found it on So we're going to try a different tack. So what we're trying to do instead is focus on the key areas that UFPL managers are going to be wrestling with. How we're going to do that? We're going to look at FPL through the lens of the Twitter template. It's a good proxy for seeing what engaged managers are doing at the moment. And it dodges an awful lot of the fandom and recency bias that tends to drive game week one overship overall. Uh, That said, please do beware that we have to factor in herd mentality that exists on FPL Twitter. We will do our best to unpick that as we go through, but it is always worth keeping in mind why there are certain players in the template, and maybe if the herd is picking them for another reason
1: absolutely quick health warning things are moving very very fast at the moment only this morning and we had to kind of just say oh no harry kane's not showing up to training and maybe that in itself dates this pod uh, we recorded on monday the second of august in the evening please forgive anything we say which may rankle with truth as you know it and we're hoping that nothing happens tomorrow which is seismic to blow everything out of the water and but that is kind of you know the, the situation we're in at the moment and why we left the pricing pod till now because at the end of the day, as we said, I think back in June when we initially recorded our kind of first kind of reaction to the season, well, if we record something back then, it would have always been like, well, we don't know. Ooh, maybe this could happen. At least we've got some element of certainty now. Obviously, it's not 100%, but it's a much higher percent of fidelity than it was
0: beforehand. Even that June podcast, poor Tom had to go back and edit so many times to fix up things to do with like the DACA move and the yeah, Sancho yeah. move. And oh, <laughs> it was a day by day that that part was being dated. We tried to record I think it was eight days before we were releasing it. it (laughs) Every day there was another issue that Tom had to go and deal with.
1: So as Anthony mentioned, the main way we're going to be doing this podcast is to pivot off the current Twemplate. The Twemplate is, of course, a portmanteau of Twitter and template. Don't like portmanteaus? You're listening to the wrong podcast, to be honest. And um, for those who don't know what the template is, um, that's basically the herd choice, as Anthony kind of mentioned earlier on. If you had to take the most vanilla, you know, bland team that exists out there, that's the template, effectively. And Twitterville, as Anthony also alluded to, can change the template a little bit certain differences do exist between the the real world as it were and the Twitter world Um, and we'll call them out during this anyway um, our mate James Corral um, at FPLJQ he's coming on the pod actually in game week 3 suggested this team I put it on Twitter and people mostly agree with it I think the only change I actually have made is Antonio uh, has come in for DCL Um, but basically the team is in goal you've got Sanchez and Foster the back five is Alexander-Arnold Dean Shaw Fafana and Ailing midfield Salah Bruno, Rafinha, Buendia, Brownhill and up front, Watkins, Antonio and Tony. Obviously, things may have changed again. I think I asked people about this two days ago, but, you know, Ben White may be potentially an entrant now. Brandon Williams at 4.0. I mean, this is the team we'll be using, basically, the one I've just described. And as Anthony says, kind of that forms the template to our podcast as well. A sense of beautiful symmetry, I actually quite like. And we'll be referring to it from now on just to keep you kind of updated to make sure everyone's on the same page. Obviously, it could all change tomorrow. And definitely will after the community short next week, when we'll be throwing at everyone to get whoever does goals in that in. But yeah, that's how we're structuring it. We're going to mess the order up a little bit as well. So we're going to do midfielders, goalkeepers, defenders and strikers. We're going to look at three tiers per position. So premium, support and fringes. Pretty self-explanatory, I'm sure. But support kind of means, you know, mid-price fringes means low price. I'm just trying to save us a couple of syllables, basically. And obvious caveats, whistle stop is an understatement. Anthony said there's no way we can be able to cover everyone, and all ownership data is correct at the time of recording. So Anthony, one thing before we kind of jump into it. Do you think that the plate, the template, has formed quicker than normal this year?
0: I don't necessarily think it's about that it's formed quicker than normal. I think it's more it has formed further off the start of the season than it has in previous years. And I think so much of that boils down to the fact that the game was released mm. so, so yeah, early in yeah. June. It really took us all by surprise when it was released. And so just engage managers have been tinkering from very early on that meant that the ownerships were already there. That meant that when the less engaged managers came in and started making FPL teams in July and into August, they saw who was popular and they started putting them into their teams. And so I think there was a self-fulfilling prophecy there. The how mentality that way.
1: got involved, didn't it? Yes,
0: the herd starts to really push towards this type of team. So I think for a variety of reasons, this team has come together. This team has cemented further from Game Week 1 than previous um, seasons. That said, as you kind of have already alluded to, Tom, I would expect so many changes between now and the first game of the season on August 13th. We've got so many pre-season friendlies. It's nice to see actually Premier League teams playing against each other instead of touring. I think it helps us with the view to trying to figure out who is yeah, no, going absolutely. to be in teams. COVID is still causing problems. Injuries are going to be inevitable. Transfer windows obviously still open. We have the Super Cup coming up with Chelsea featuring and that against Villarreal and, of course, Community Shield with both City and Leicester that you mentioned. So between all of those different things, there's going to be so much moving around. But at the same time, there is a template or a template that is very much formed at this point.
1: Yeah, so Maybe there's a few kind of scrabbles around the edges as well with you, know, what you said about injuries. For example, Lamptey uh, was one of those players who was in a lot of teams and maybe would have gotten a lot of airtime in this podcast. But obviously, since we did the first podcast, Graham Potter's come out and said he's not going to be quite ready for game week one. So he's swiftly exited the twin plate. Right, let's move on um, to the very beginning, uh, which is the midfield. So the twin plate midfield is Salah, Bruno, Rafinha, Buendia and Brownhill. Uh, to start off with the premiums, as you might expect, the twin plate has Mo Salah, who's 49% owned at the moment, and Bruno, 41% owned. Quickly, would you overthink Salah?
0: I've tried it in previous years and it hasn't worked out. And maybe last year I was burnt for being too loyal. But even in a bad year, he was the third top scorer in FPL and he had 22 goals and six assists. He was the only player last season who had an XG of over 20. And only him and Kane had an XG of over 10 in the second half of the season. With an opening fixture against Norwich, and then he has Burnley with his ownership near 50%, with a fair few good fixtures in there as well. I can't build a compelling case not to put him in my side. I think it would be Harry Carey to not put him in.
1: I think we've gone to that point, haven't we? You know, four 200 club finishes, one 400 club finish, of course, that first season, where you're kind of like, well, what more has he got to do if you aren't including this guy in your team? Like, he's okay. more than worth the price tag. Of course, you know, last year was his lowest points so ever, I think, in FPL. Um, but as you said, the data speaks for itself. And, you know, I could read off similar data. There's no point in really going there. And um, the other one, though, is, is obviously Bruno. And the question that could be asked and has been asked and since Sancho has joined certainly um, has begun to become debated a little bit on socials is do we dare step beyond Bruno Fernandes? The usual arguments are out, aren't they? i might not captain him if I own him? I mean, he's got Leeds, Southampton, Wolves and Newcastle in the first four. I mean, with Bruno, as I mentioned during Talisman Theory, it's almost become implicit, I think, Anthony, just how good Bruno was last season. You know, in the midst of hindsight, we kind of forget that it was his first season in the Premier League. And United haven't had a main man like him for quite a long time. He had the most chances creative of any player last season. Joint most big chances creative of Kevin De Bruyne. KDB had a lot of injuries, so that's just how bloody good he is, basically. And he had the highest XA. Couple that with him being fifth for XG, and he's pretty compelling. And one thing though is that Bruno's non-penalty XG is pretty mare for a premium. So he goes from being fifth for XG with seventeen point six four to seventeenth in the non-pen XG rankings, which is just ten. So in terms of non-pen XG last year, he was outscored by the likes of Shay Adams. Timo Werner and Bobby Firmino in that regard. You know, 10 penalties for him last year, nine scored. So that means half of his goal outputs was therefore from the spot. But even if you expunge pens for some weird reason, you've still got nine goals, fourteen assists. He's a creator, but a creator of an eye for goal. Basically, he's Kevin De Bruno. and I know there was some penalty mania last year. We mentioned that a lot. Nine penalties that year. But the last couple of years, United have also been top and second for penalties one. So the year before that, Rashford scored the most penalties of six. The year before that, um, Pogba was second and seven penalties. I think writing them off is a little bit of kind of artificial sort of thinking. I,
0: I totally agree. United are usually in with near double figures or double figures for penalties, and penalty mania didn't change that. You know, you cited penalties scored. If you just cite, you know, the United were missing penalties before Bruno came in. And of course, when Rashford was the high scoring in penalties, it's like Bruno had taken over penalties for half yeah, of that yeah. season as well. And you know, contributes to them as well. So they're they're double figures-ish for penalties. You can't write them off with United, it's a little bit lazy. I think with Bruno, it is tempting to exclude him from your side. But I think, again, a bit like Salah, it would be an overcomplication to do so. And like, yes, okay, the end of the season was disappointing with him. Even just looking at Bruno's basic stats, his XG and his XA dropped off in the final 10 games of the season. So usually he was getting an XG of 0.42 that dropped off marginally, I suppose. 0.37 To 0.37 his xa had been at 0.3 that dropped off to 0.22 but maybe in points per game it's where his decline i guess was most marked he'd been getting 6.59 points per game across the whole season and yet in those final 10 games of the season it was just 4.38 just, uh, <laughs> yeah. nearly a return per game is what's that expecting you know so it's still saying that he was a decent enough asset although maybe not worth a premium price the thing is, is that Bruno is the type of player who outperforms his stats. He's had a decent enough rest. The Euros is quite a bit ago um, for him since Portugal knocked out. Yeah, And he didn't even play all that much at that Euros. So I'd be pretty optimistic for him and I wouldn't overthink it.
1: Well, certainly, so it sounds like we kind of agree broadly. It sounds like there's not really a question this year about Mane, for example. I mean, serious cold Street last season, uh, I, I think that he's probably just one. He, he's kind of a, a bit of a marginal pick. I mean, we're going to speak about triple Liverpool later on and he's not one who was really in the equation. It was about more about Robertson than Jota. But Bruno, alternatives-wise, I think it might be interesting just to meditate for a second. Because you mentioned at the end of last season, obviously, Bruno did slow down. One man did step in then uh, was uh, Mason Greenwood. In the exit velocity on my talisman, theory um piece which is worth reading if you can find it elsewhere it's gone who got this.com it's right in front of you Um he um basically kind of took that mantle um over the course of the kind of the last 10 game which he scored the most points of any united player in terms of attacking points Um he's actually had an increasing number of minutes per season between last year and this year and he's had this channel change in profile as well which is really interesting as well so 2019-20 he scored 10 goals from next year of about three He massively overshot. And there was that period in Project Restart when he made a mockery of that 4.5 million price tag. Last year, though, it was a different story. So an XG of seven, seven goals scored. And his XG per 90 rose, as did his shots per 90. FPL-wise, though, similar totals, 103 to 106 but maybe because he's becoming a bit more successful in the team maybe he could be the one to look at especially with Rashford out and I guess Sancho's the big one though Anthony that people are kind of thinking oh you know I'm going to give him a go he could be you know the new Salah Dinos 83 goal involvements 104 appearances for Borussia Dortmund uh, I think he played 83 90 minute games in the time he was actually on the pitch but it's basically one goal involvement per 90 for Borussia Dortmund over the last four years which is ridiculous if that translated into the Premier League and think about the Euros you know the likes of Honigstein with would- dismayed that England weren't playing this guy so he perhaps if he does hit the ground running could be one with that ridiculous goal involvement at Dortmund if he can translate into playing in red he could be you know a solution if you aren't looking at Bruno and you're thinking of moving elsewhere I mean as United fan you said a minute ago you're not looking elsewhere but could either of them kind of come to the fore or can you understand why either of them could be in a team?
0: I can definitely understand why people are going for Sanchez. I guess the issue with Greenwood is still that you're just not 100% sure that he's going to get the minutes that you require. You're a bit more sure of it all when Rashford is injured. But at the same time, just I feel like Solskjaer has quite a few players to you know address in there. We don't know how Sancho is going to take up you know attacking space that might otherwise have been Greenwood's. You presume Cavani is going to be in there in the mixture as well. And then there's obviously some of the supporting cast players like Daniel James, who might get a run. And so with that in mind, that's why I'm a little bit off Greenwood. I think it's just too big of a risk. On the other hand, I feel and I can understand why people would go for Sancho. 9.5 is incredibly cheap, given his track record coming into the league. And I guess given the team that he's coming into isn't exactly a bad one. Um, if anything, it's you know one that's kind of on the up year on year for two, three seasons. The thing as well, I guess, is that at 9.5, is he a 200 club player? I think he might be
1: mm, potentially he's got, got the it, potential to get there, hasn't he?
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and it kind of feels a little bit reminiscent of San last year when he was so underpriced, and it was like, okay, there's there's an element of a no-brainer to put him into your side. I still didn't because you know I'm it's, not, uh, yeah, yeah, but, but you know, people, but someone like Nick, did you know, just totally mm. identified 200 club player there, price quite cheap, put him in easy, you know, get points. And I do feel like there is that with Sancho. I wish actually United were playing in the European Super Cup and had beaten Villarreal just so that we had a chance (laughs) to see how United were going to line out with their first team in a competitive game before the start of the season. It's so unfortunate that we don't have that to just get some idea um, of what they're going to do. Yeah, if you weren't going with Bruno, I would say it would have to be Sancho, but you're really taking a massive risk. I'm maybe a little bit too conservative to do that. I agree. I'm the same. I think
1: it's easier to work downwards than try to work upwards. That's the way I look at it. Um, You mentioned Son there quickly, worth kind of just squeezing a mention of him in because in the Talisman theory, I did mention that he was actually fifth for attacking points last year and he got really unlucky because of how good Kane was. Obviously, Kane has not showed up to training today, whereas Son has got new contract, And it remains to be seen what happens here. But I imagine once Game Week 3 rolls around and they've got Watford at home, those people are going to be looking to go into Son. So those people are kind of saying, oh, you know, Kane's a talisman. Son could be an absolute pile of, you know, without Kane. The reality is, though, that in the past, I remember whenever Kane was injured, Son became a really obvious pickup. And there's really good research done by Chimp Paradox on Twitter who showed that uh, actually Son's goals per game, XG per game, shots per game, shots per target per game, shots in his box per game and big chances per game went up without Harry Kane in the team. Um, So there's definitely kind of green shoots of recovery without Kane being around for Son depending on how Nuno sets him up, of course. But obviously it's one that's clearly firmly in the way and see mould, but at 10 million, he could be one that is on our shortlists and come game week three, there's a game which presents itself. One other thing in this area, um, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, maybe worth just kind of getting rid of City here, actually, Anthony, so they don't weigh us down throughout the course of this podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, over 15% of people, non-talismanic team last year, but in terms of ta- attack points scored five City players in Gundawan, Foden, Mahrez, KDB and Sterling, maybe the top 20. And maybe value in defence, of course, Diaz, as we'll be back later. Um, but City last year in FPL was all about timing getting people like Gundogan onto that defence in terms of goal machine stones. Um, It was about kind of getting them when they were hot. You you snooze, you lose. In terms of the midfield and the team as a whole, it was telling that pre-season, before he transferred out to Leeds, Jack Harrison was Man City's highest scoring player in FPL. He's actually scored three more points in Gunda last season, 160. So if you say Gunda uh, seven point five. Yeah. Surprised us last season, but he needs Kevin De Bruyne to be out. And Kevin De Bruyne as well, you know, people are saying well, game week two, Norwich, I'm sure people are gonna go absolutely mad for that. Maybe he could be the you know the Bruno switch. But I think there's, there is one guy who's kind of showing up a little bit, and that's Riyad Mahrez. Um, lots of love for him at nine. Uh, he's obviously been a bit of a kind of per-90 king, um, maybe getting a new contract at City. He played his most minisement last season ever, basically. 21 games worth, so nothing. Um, 145 points, less good than last season. And he's a bit of a kind of a jotter esque per-90 monster, as I said. And it's all about whether he could kind of nail that persistent start. But with Mares, what's really interesting is that he's had a full pre-season, unlike the likes of Sterling, Foden. And the community show we've mentioned a couple of times, 4.9% owned. If he does something in that game, Anthony, he could be one of the people who makes a late charge uh, for the twin plate. Anything?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really cogent, actually, with, with when it comes to Mares. I had seen him starting to crop up in a few teams on Twitter, yet not enough for him to knock into this twin plate yet. But he is starting to appear already. So as you say, I think, yeah, he is primed to find his way into this and there are good reasons to put him in, but it's just timing that makes it just so hard to know what to do with him. You know, it's like you could argue as well that if City don't sign a striker, i.e. Harry Kane, in the lead up to game week one, is someone like Ferran Yeah, <laughs> this is it. Like, is Ferran going to find his way in or no. would it just be Jesus? Like, there's a move away yeah. for Jesus being mooted if you listen to Sam Lee in The Athletic, but you'd imagine that's quite contingent on whether Kane goes in the first place. And then, of course, there's Sterling, who we might as well toss into this as well. Absolutely. Which Sterling is going to be is going to show up in the league this year. He is really well priced, I think, to force a decision at 11.0 in a way that Sadio Mane at 12 is not. He had three consecutive 200-club finishes before the 154 points that he got last season. Obviously, he had a good Euros uh, from a perspective of goal-scoring confidence. I would be really, really interested to see, you know, if he has a good community shield, he's going to rock it into that template as well. I really feel like last season was a real aberration for him. And that's a City team that just, you know, produces as a system to feed its players. And for whatever reason last year, it just did not work for him. But I don't think that's going to happen two years in a row. He's too good of a talent for them to waste.
1: Maybe I'm, I'm not sure he'll rock it into the team. <laughs> Maybe you'll see some people reacting to that, but I still think that, as you said, earlier, think of a Bamiang's yeah. brace
0: in the community she last year Oh, yeah, year, but
1: that was because of, talism- of talisman theory, Anthony. That was not but, because yeah. of a brace, that was because of my amazing writers. No, I'm not that kind of guy, but yeah, no, <laughs> I, I take your point. Nothing that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's move forward, uh, for the in, in the interest of brevity and move to the support. Um, which we have given a very, very large kind of price bracket um, area to 9.0 to 5.5. Maybe we're going to try to kind of cut this up a tiny bit. You know, the twin has got two players, Rafinha at 23% and Buendia at 12%, one of those players who doesn't quite kind of feature outside of Twitter. So Grealish, 35% ownership and Mount, um, nearing 21% ownership. Outside the premiums, these kind of options, I call them support options because they're very unlikely to be your captain a lot of the time. You're counting on their sort of, you know, their raw points week to week. Um, But, you know, we should have a look and try to identify our favorite assets around this because, you know, Rafinha and Buendia, um, there's quite a gap between them and the two premiums that we've got here. I just want to kind of bring in one man here, um, Kai Havetz. Um, so I owned him actually last year, game week one. Um, and for me, I think the appeal was fairly clear for game one this year with Crystal Palace, who were obviously in transition first up. Last year, obviously, he didn't set the world light. 91 points in FPL for a huge £72 million signing. But I think Lampard just basically didn't know how to use him effectively. He was thrown out onto the wing, not really involved. And this is shown his output one goal and two assists before Frank the Pass in the game with 18, I think it was. Also COVID. Compare that with Tushell coming in, game with 20 onwards, and it's really fascinating the difference. I mean, admittedly, it's not brilliant, um, but point four shots Uh, on target per game under Frank to 1.3 shots on target per game under Tushel. 0.5 shots in the box per game um, under Frank to 2.37 under Tushel. 0.13 XG per game to 0.54 XG per game under Tushel. And over the last 10 game weeks, his MPXG shot through the roof comparatively, actually. He averaged 0.8 XG per game over the last 10 game weeks. So it just shows that Tushel knows how to use him. And, you know, some people could say, you know, I'm going to leave him for now. Game week seven, the fixtures are going to turn over Um, but 8.5 million he's one of those players who kind of again undercuts that I'm not saying he's going to be a 200 point player I think he's still kind of got a little way to go he's still a young man Um, but at the same time you're looking at probably a player who could get 160 170 points there and you know Chelsea have had a couple of years in the wilderness when it comes to talisman when it comes to kind of FPL you know looking at the defence a lot they haven't really had that kind of player going forward you want to be including we all thought that would be Werner I I think Kai could be that guy you know the heir to the kind of hazard talisman and mantle um so now i'm again quite high on him this year and he is actually in my team we'll we'll kind of look at that at the very end of this podcast but i think he might actually quite useful as well because he occupies that kind of spot between the premiums and kind of the support that is currently there if it was like the 6.5 you've got a bit of an issue if someone in the middle kind of takes off Um, and I think Kai kind of nicely does that I know he's got Arsenal game week two and so on and so forth Um, but equally you know I'm not too worried about playing a player from a top team in that kind of game Anthony you mentioned that you looked at Grealish as well and he's one of those players who um, you know he's owned by 35% obviously yeah this is up in the air isn't it
0: yes this is the thing with Grealish at Man City you can just you know add him to the little bit of a discussion we just had and the uncertainty that we were attaching to an awful lot of their midfielders. Him at Villa, I really, really like. And I think he is actually a potential 200 club player there as a talisman at that club. In terms of points per game last season, he had 5.19 points per game. If you multiply that average by 38 for the full season, that's 197 so he's only he was on the cusp of uh, a 200 point season in points per game metrics at least in the bit that we did see of him last season. So that's pretty impressive in and of itself. He was still had 12 assists, that was second for mids and fourth in total, and he missed nearly half the season. And Villa, of course, have good starting fixtures. The problem is, of course, is that he might not get those fixtures. And so what I've also done is I've looked at the two I think marquee Villa midfielders when it comes to you know let's say goals because Wendie is more of a provider. Uh, how they did last season in that Villa team when Grealish was injured. And those two are Anwar El Ghazi and Bertrand Traore. You look at stuff like shots in the box and things. Traore it's 1.67. That's much more than the 0.94 per game that El Ghazi was recording. Traore as well is well ahead in terms of assists and expected assists and attempted assists. And so with that in mind, I think that Traore kind of has that potential to be add a few more goals to his game, and suddenly end up as a much better option than El Ghazi. And I think he has the underlying stats there to do that. So that's kind of the reason why I think overall, I think Traore has the higher ceiling there. Uh, so yeah, there's some pretty good options there in that villain midfield, all told. And Windy is obviously the one that is in the twin plate from there. But he's mm-hmm. he's in on the basis of basically what he did for Norwich, which was just create an awful lot of chances that weren't finished. Oh, don't forget, ago. though,
1: he um, assisted Watkins in pre-season. Uh, that's probably the, the the compounding bit of evidence which has got him into the twin plate here.
0: <laughs> I, I think back to our summer special, Tom, where uh, the lads were saying that it takes about twenty games for them oh, to God, start to take into account statistics, yeah, and then uh, the, versus... the twin plate has gone mad on one assist, got on got on one seat, got on game. assist, game.
1: Well, well, he's straight in for me. Um, you're right on Bundia. Uh, um, you know, fourth for chances created since 1920. He was second be- uh, behind Kevin De Bruyne uh, for chances created per ninety, um, but he failed to hit 100 points that season. Uh, One goal, seven assists. Last season, though, the Championship, uh, very encouraging, 15 goals and 17 assists. And um, it was noted actually on who scored uh, that Buendia, when he was in the Premier League, he dropped often in terms of key passes per game and shots per game for Norwich, that is. So maybe he might be better in a better team. And you're right, like, you know, maybe Villa in general in the midfield could be a good punt for those first three games. But is he in my team? I'm not yet sure. I've got a pinch on for Buendia from the past when he was at Norwich, but he never seemed to quite be able to replicate it into, in terms of kind of consistent point scoring. I do think you know we've moved from Grealish down to Buendia and there are a few players who are in the middle. You know, the likes of Mason Mount and it, basically the most vanilla player you can probably get. But in terms of those vanilla metrics like shots, chances created. He's actually top of those for anybody uh, seven point five million or below. Madsen Barnes, they come out in the Community Shield. Pepe as well. Quick shout out for him. Last ten game weeks of the season, he scored the third most points for mids on seven point fives and the most points of any Arsenal player actually. And um, fifty-seven points, uh, twenty-three points clear of the person who was second, who was Callum Chambers, a Surges Su- 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 man the have FPL. FPL. Um, but there's one guy that's worth mentioning here. And um, before um, we kind of get into the six point five million kind of maelstrom uh Diego Jota. So I, I think that he's one obviously with Firmino perhaps coming back a little bit late, um, who is going to be in the mix being uh, out early of the of the Euros. Um a bit of an arc points dodger. Um but last season, um, fun fact, he had the highest XG per 90 and shots in the box per 90 of any player in FPL. Uh, he had the better ratio of that than Salah, Vardy, Ikinacho, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but if you stretch that out, you've got an XG of eight-ish, nine goals scored. Like With him, you've got a player who's ludicrously effective if he does play but equally incredibly frustrating as well. And I know we learned on the analytics pod, you mentioned that a second ago, but it's that the players have the big chance, not that he's missed it and frustrated you, um, but he is certainly a player who I think, similar to Mane actually, needs kind of variance, luck, form, whatever you call it, to go his way. Um, otherwise, he's likely to be you know first subbed and he's not likely to start the next game. But he could be an example of a player in that sort of 7.5 sort of area. And that means that, you know, at the moment with the twin plate, you have kind of this huge drop between Bruno at 12 and a 6.5 in Rafinha Mm -hmm. and Buendia. So, he could be a kind of an example of a player. He could oc- occupy a bit of middle ground to allow you to kind of move around this sort of area. But you know, I appreciate why uh, players like Buendia and Rafinha are kind of in the team. I mean, Rafinha, Anthony, is, is he somebody that you've looked at?
0: Rafinha is a tempting one. Um, but I think maybe this is maybe me being someone who kind of reacts to herd mentality by trying to push away from it. He's not currently in my side. The thing with him, like, and of course, his ex lively is off the charts. Like to watch him is an absolute joy. Oh, so and <laughs> yeah, and then last season, like he was very good. Like he, he, he you know, there were there were points in the season where he was more than pulling his weight. He got to double figures for assists with 10, obviously got six goals as well. And you kind of felt like, you know, his early, you know, he, did, he obviously wasn't in that Leeds team to start. The further he grew into the season, the more you felt like he was an important oh, player yeah, in that too. team and the more you felt that he was an important player in FPL. And so with that in mind, 6.5 could be made a complete mockery of. At the same time, just because Leeds are opening fixtures, are just that little bit more awkward. I'm quite happy to go without him to start and kind of maybe put my money elsewhere. The, the player actually that sticks out to me of that 7.5 procession, um, And I know that Rafinha is a little bit below that is Pepe just because of how he ended last season. I suspect yeah. that Arteta can't ignore that. Brentford away, obviously being the opening game of the season. There's a, there's an awkward two games with Chelsea and City, but then you've got Norwich and Burnley as well. That could be pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, absolutely. But like, if I feel like all of those players to, in one way or another, are going to be a punt with Jota, and we're going to get onto it later. The punt there is that you're not going for another type of Liverpool tri- triple up if you put him into your side and that's kind of the, the reason why i'm not too keen on him because i want to triple up in a different way um to one which includes him uh and then with rafinha it is just those fixtures i suspect i'm going to probably early wildcard that's my kind of mental plan at the moment and i would be very surprised if he doesn't come into my side because he probably offers better value than bamford who of course we'll get on to in the forwards at 8.0 <laughs> yeah. i think
1: i think rafinha definitely is that x lively factor which is why he's in He's many a manager's kind of anointed glue guy for the season, which I, I kind of I can get actually. So, six goals turned to this last season, 133 points, an okay start for the Premier League. As you said, it was a bit stop start, and he was outscored by Harrison on, on the opposite flank on 160. Data wise, though, Rafinha outstrips Harrison on pretty much every measure XG, XA, you know per game shots per game whatever and the only real pro in harrison's column actually is big chances so harrison got 90s and on to Rafinha's five and harrison actually appeared in all 38 games for these last season with 36 starts uh two subs and rafinia actually just 30 and four subs and um similar to the exercise you did earlier on with a couple of other players i worked out rafinia's points per 90 and extrapolated for 38 games just for fun so, he played 26 games worth of minutes last year um, for the, his 133 points, which gives you like 5.1 points per game. Multiply that are. by 38. <laughs> you get 193 points. Obviously, that's incredibly crude. That's ridiculous. But it's an indication of what he has in him to do at that price, perhaps kind of alluding to what you said earlier. You can make a mockery of that kind of price tag. And my observation, perhaps, is where Harrison hit his seeding with 160. Rafinha certainly didn't so where Harrison may be slightly underpriced Rafinha also might be underpriced but maybe making the comparison between two of them isn't particularly useful and the eye test as well definitely as we've said a few times x lively will definitely tell you that again same with me in my team at the moment no he's not because I've got Shaw and Dean and and he plays both of them in the first two weeks of the season so do I want one of my key midfielders playing one of my five million defenders the first weeks of the season. No, I don't. So he's not there right now. And I agree with you that an early wild card, he could very well find his way in.
0: Yeah, like Leeds fixtures turn completely. Re- I mean, honestly, they don't, they really turn after the United game. I don't know why we're putting everything in as this like great big fear, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, <laughs> and I could totally see why you'd want to put him into your side just to ignore the United game, suck up whatever happens in it. And if you not, you know, if you wipe out a clean sheet that a lot of people tend to have fine um but at the same time i personally just want to see what leads look like starting off this season as well yeah. and uh, they were so reliably good against teams that they're better than last year that i'm kind of quite happy to just wait until they play burnley or until <laughs> yeah. they play newcastle yeah, fair, fair. before fair. that comes around that's game week three and game week five yeah
1: all right let's uh, let's keep it going um so there's lots of players in the 6.5 sort of area jwp um lucy heinett told me he was overpriced so i'm gonna stick with that um tillemont uh, too deep lying gonna stick with that as well um obviously you know you've got the north london duo and um, adam pritchard's brother from another mother bekayo Saka, and um, our friend uh, desperate seeking duzan's man Delhi ali and um, both 6.5 with the potential to push on of course um, they come at it from different angles so Delhi obviously is now kind of on the downward slope of uh, three seasons in the wilderness, uh, but he has one 200 club appearance to his name. And he's not lower than 8.0 price. since bursting on the scene 2015, 16 on the other hand, sack of the boy wonder 114 points, five goals five just last season. Could he make his mark? I don't know. Um, Trossard improvement year on year price uh, points wise, 79 points, 118 points. Um, there's very little to commend him to us, frankly, um, looking at the data. Um, he was second for their non GI, um, not very far behind Mopay. Uh, West Ham is actually fairly interesting, though, um, just to kind of link it all together. Uh, so Jared Bowen is one who's fairly interesting. 141 points, eight goals and six assists. At 6.5, 141 points its kind of what you're looking for, actually, season long. Um, he was Antonio's sloppy second last year. But his data is really bland, to say the least. Like I couldn't find a headline stat for him. So, I spoke to my friend Tom Campbell about him, and he said he's a direct player. And that he's obviously the guy who's, when Antonio's injured, he's asked to kind of play in that position. And, um, you know, he played in all 38 of West Ham's games last season as well. So, I looked at him when Antonio was injured and not when he was centre forward. So, Antonio was out 7 to 9, 11 to 15, 31 to 33. And then Bowen had 11 games deputising. When he was centre-forward, he actually had one goal and three assists. Um, but when he wasn't, it was seven goals and three assists. So he's the case where if Antonio is not in the picture, he's the guy that you, you don't really want to be looking at because he's going to be kind of playing the false nine role and it's not going to be working for him. On the other hand, though, um, you've got Suchek, who actually did um, score a decent amount of his points when Antonio wasn't in the team. So the game same sort of measure of games that um, Antonio didn't play and I looked at for Suchek and he actually scored four out of ten of his goals during that period and one and two of his assists so you know in less than a third of the season he scored to 45% of his goal involvements so maybe there could be some element of Suchek in there um, but the big one for me actually is Ben Rama at six um, again, not much from days to commend him. A bit of a pump, really, at that price. Um, Name's being a pretty talented player. You know, FB ref puts him in the 90th percentile for assists and dribbles. Uh, but he is one who has been coming up in preseason as being a decent sort of pump, you know, the sort of player who could become one of those who does kind of blow up. Um, and a note from our friend, Bilan knows Maldonado as well. West Ham's attack is one of the few who will have played together all preseason, building that understanding because none of them have been internationals. Uh, whereas others have I been mean, a bit easier to returns a small point, but one worth highlighting. And um, but quite a lot there, isn't there Anthony?
0: There's an awful lot there to unpack, and I'm not sure if any of it is actually like worth fully taking out of the box and putting into your side. It's just a little bit difficult. Like Ben Rama, for example, I think you've summarised so perfectly as a punt, and I think to be honest, all of those West Ham midfielders fall into that category for me. Yeah, they're, they're all bad, but-, yeah, but aren't they? Yeah, exactly. It's like, why don't you just spend the extra 0.5, for example, and get Rafinha in then? Because, you know, it's like the stats are just so much better for him, uh, for example. And, yeah, like Saka, I felt, has just been that little bit overpriced fall in as a punt now. 6.5 kind of stretches you that little bit more yeah, for him. Sure. If he was 5.5 again, I feel like he'd be making, it would be a much hard, you know, harder decision with him. And then, as you say, Tom, there are so many other players in there where it's very hard to kind of commend them on stats basis. or you have fears when it comes to their minutes? Or they've been promoted and you're not quite sure what's going to come with them this season when they, you know, teams just tend yeah. to be very unpredictable when they come up.
1: There's still players like, you know, Trin or Brian Hill, you know, players that I could have mentioned that I didn't.
0: But... Yes, yeah, Sar as well. There's another one yeah, I have Sar. What do you think Sar. about him?
1: Anything there? I mean, he, he's been obviously like Talisman Theory. I did kind of drop him into the kind of the conclusions. Um, I think it was 106 Six hundred and seven points last time I was in the Premier League. It's really sad that I remember that. It's not even on my notes actually. I know people know that I'm, I've got those notes for this one, but that's not even on my notes. I think it's, um, again, it's, it's always ponty isn't it? Even though you know he is the talisman.
0: Like sar was, you know, he was very good in, in the Premier League when Watford went down uh, two seasons ago, and I even had him in my side actually for an awful lot of the period before they went down. And like, you know, what that season you only had about five goals and four assists. And I think I might have had him for most of the time up until yeah, like the week half, before he got that big.
1: The, the yeah, yeah, that big Liverpool, Liverpool eviscerator. Liverpool
0: yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all I sold him the week before that, typically. And then last season in the championship for 13 goals and four assists. So like, yeah, okay, he's he's definitely kind of growing into that side um, as he kind of grows up himself. But at the same time, again, it's like, is he worth that risk when he's 6.0 When you've got so like, established Premier League players at 6.5, for example, who you know are going to return, where you can stretch that little bit more to an awful lot of really good options at seven and 7.5? Yeah. Mm, no, I, I just can't see a reason to do it personally.
1: Yeah, or you can even just buy Harrison or something you know, to get into
0: kind of established sort of mode. Yeah, and just you know get your team ticking over and kind of you know make some decisions with an early wildcard from there. i kind of commend that approach an awful lot to be honest this season.
1: Cool. Uh, I think the last one I want to mention here, um, before we move on to the fringe players, I mean we could mention Embueno, um in Bueno, I think his name is actually uh, Brentford. He was playing off Tony in a lot of the friendlies. Um, and he was part of the BMW uh, frontline actually. Not for long ago. Okay. Um, but the one I want to mention, actually, a 5.5 is Smithrow. Um, we're in uh, my boy territory, and you will see that he's in my team at that price. Um, Arsenal's new number 10, new contract. 74 points last season, and obviously it's been asked by a few people, quite rightly. You know, this guy's got two goals and five assists. Why should I be interested in him? Well, he's a young man, uh, the Cordon De Bruyne, and he created more chances and more big chances per 90 than anybody else in the Gunners team last year and again Anthony doing my um, very crude extrapolation of points um, he uh, played 16 games worth of per 90s for those 74 points so that gives you a points per game or points per 90 of 4.6 so time's up with 38 what do you get you get 125 points I am not saying Emils for Throws can get 175 points. I'm guessing he'll get up 130, 140 if everything goes to plan this year. At 5.5, that could be a serious bargain. One data point to leave you with here. I'm not going to push this too far, but I do love ESR. Arsenal won 67% of the games when the Cordon De Bruyne started and only won 30% when he didn't. Um, and I think that he plays a very specific role in the Arsenal team like you know the sort of the sort of player that we will want to see kind of regenerated for Arsenal the kind of the Bergkamp best sort of playmaker uh, but obviously he's, he's not kind of starting from a forward position dropping back he's not kind of starting backward and dropping forward but and um, uh, he's great to watch um, and I'm you know definitely right. in, in my boy territory
0: yeah put your neck on the block if you really want to so they have Arsenal start their season with two games against two top-six sides, and then they have three games against, you know, arguably yep. three bottom-six yep. sides. How many of those games does Emil smith row start in?
1: I think he starts all of them. Um, all I, of I, them. I, I don't know why this is a question, because the guy's just signed a huge contract. He's now on number 10. Obviously, there's a big kind of vote of confidence in him for Montessa. Maybe it's me and you know, the fandom sort of edge going on, but I don't really see how it could be different because Ozil's gone. Ozil wasn't yeah. the reason
0: why Smith Rowe wasn't playing but last year. We needed
1: need the playmaker and I think that he has become an integral part from H2 last year from when he first got into the team. He's got become an integral part to how Arsenal play and how it all kind of fits together. Um, I really do. Um, And I kind of think any questions around will he start feel a little bit kind of in... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not really too sure that those are questions that are worth entertaining just because at the end of the day, if he wasn't the sort of player who's gonna start those big games with a solvent to Villa when they offer us thirty million.
0: No, I, I don't think so though. Like a twenty-one year old player who clearly has a huge ceiling, you're not gonna sell for thirty million when you might be able to get fifty million for him in a year, even if he only plays half the games. So, okay. I think I think I w-
1: if he if you if, if he was a player who was in that sort of um province where he was a sellable asset, then a deal could have been done. Yeah, you know, yeah. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have been trying to desperately tie him down to the new contracts. I think next year will be really exciting for Arsenal, actually, because we've got no Europe, and you know you've got lots of Spurs, lots of Leicester, whatever, and um, who did very well without Europe. Um,
0: yeah, I, I suspect no Europe is going to be a huge, huge benefit to Arsenal next year. Uh, I feel like number one, it gets someone like a good coach like Arteta gets a chance on the training ground to really prove his yeah. mettle in a way that he just didn't before. Um, but no, also, it's games. just fatigue. On, it's it's just and the fatigue and not Thursday ones as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah yeah, that they don't have that fatigue problem. I'm just I think that the question about minutes is just a, is a viable one until we've seen something different. And it's just, you know, towards the end of last season Arsenal had very little to play for, so sure he was playing, but of course they were going to give youth the chance and you know he was playing in the Europa League. Okay, great. But you couldn't get too confident about it. And then in, the, you know, the weeks before that, we knew he was an important player, but there were injuries that meant that he was getting game time. It's it's hard to be just fully fully confident. I I really like that you are as confident as you are that he's going to start those games, Tom. That that really interests me. Just to make sure that your head is firmly on that chopping block,
1: uh, and that would make him
0: very that would make him very tempting at five point five because I, uh, like he is a very good player.
1: You will see later on that I've got like a little bit of a rotation, so I I'm not going to be fielding swiffer i think he'll you're not relying go, on him he'll go to first sub during those things but yeah no absolutely right um in the interest of brevity we should move on um i hope that was a useful digression fringe players anthony incredibly boring in the midfield kind of area um josh brownhill was one who's kind of gone through uh recently there's obviously billy gilmore basuma is the one who is owned by the, by the actual template uh 15 owned uh, in the actual template um but brownhill Probably the best candidate, the reincarnation of George Boyd, uh, if anyone owned him uh, back in oh, the day. Oh, wow. What and a he shout. Could not stop scoring, could he? Off the <laughs> bench. I think, though, he. he got very, very lucky. Because I think there were a few weeks where the a few notable players didn't play as like in Hazard or whatever, and he happened to have scored a goal. And so there's a lot of kind of existential love for George Boyd. Look it up if you're a bit old, if you're a bit younger. What, what um, a memory. I, I, didn't, I
0: never thought I'd think of George Boyd again. Thank
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the second half of the season, Brown Brownhill, uh, he uh, had the second most shots uh, behind Basuma of 4.5 million mids, the most shots on target and the highest XG of all of 4.5 million mids. Yeah. It, they're not very high numbers. Let's not let's not go into that. I and mean, some people might be kind of saying, Oh, Murphy at Newcastle is worth the five. The
0: reason why Brownhill is in the plate is because he, a he scored goal. a brace. He scored yeah. a brace a in a goals. preseason friendly against some team that I've already forgotten. You know, that's the reason why he is. He got a decent he got a
1: decent amount of minutes last year, and yeah, he like isn't he's an okay player. Like I've run him a foot manager many a time in the championship. Of course, I should commend any player to anybody, but that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And at 4.5, you want a player who's likely to play and has some sort of vague attacking edge. And that's basically what Brown Hill has. Maybe you yeah. will see that as well, but I think Brown Hill was the most likely kind of guy to do that job for you.
0: Yeah, so uh, just worth saying, I did a thread on fringe midfielders the other day, a sponsored thread on Twitter that you can go and dig up if you want. But, uh, you know, the key data, I guess, that I pulled out from that was, you know, looking at all of these 4.5 and 5.0 midfield options uh, in terms of you know stuff like expected goals and big chances and expected assists and clean sheets because of course that matters when you're looking at a player like this and bonus points potential and everything and really when you looked at the 4.5 and 5.0 midfielders Brownhill came up well but the other player who I think is a little bit of a mystery box at that price tag <laughs> is MGW? Uh, no Alan oh Alan at Everton 4.5 so. The, the the thing with him, okay, is that even last season uh, under Ancelotti, when he obviously his minutes weren't, he didn't get, as, he didn't play as much as we would have hoped. But on a per game basis, compared to the likes of Yves Basuma, Declan Rice, Brownhill, and Douglas Luiz at Villa, he would have been better in terms of uh, attempted assists per game. He was better in terms of penalty area actions per game. So he's just generally going in the right direction in terms right. of going up the pitch. Everything yeah. you would expect to improve defensively. So Basuma is much better from a statistical perspective on an awful lot of the expected metrics to do with uh, predictions and algorithms and things because basically Brighton's XGC is so good. They just expect him to get yeah, that extra yeah, point for the clean sheet so frequently that he's just he just beats the others just by dint of that. You take that away and he's really not that much better of an option than any of the rest mm-hmm. of them. Alan actually stands out. And then if you think that Ra- Rafa arriving at Everton, you'd expect him to tighten up defensively. Might mean that he'll do a little bit better in terms of picking up Boy, those one give, extra points he'll, he'll along
1: give three the way. Points per game rather yeah. than two points per game. Yes. No, yeah, and, and, he,
0: for, and he is prone to perhaps finding himself in the box or giving a pass into the box more frequently than sure. most players who cost that much. No? And then, sorry, in the real mystery box, like I called Alan the mystery box, but it's Gilmore is the real mystery box again yeah. at Norwich sure 4.5. Will he play? Don't know. Uh, do we have any good stats to commend to you? No, not really. Like, yeah, we do. But, you know, there are like he played 261 minutes in the league last season. So draw your own conclusions from that. He looks good. Uh, he plays well. He might start. If he continues to start, um, then he could be a very good pick. But for right now, I would actually commend Alan to you at 4.5 over Brownhill. Well, zero. Um,
1: just to verbalize this as well. Morgan Gibbs White has played a couple of games in the oh, friendlies God. at number 10. Anyway. Let's move on (laughs) to the goalkeepers. Um, Get out of midfield, the sort of zone, and then talk about the goalkeepers. So um, the twin plate duo, I guess, is Sanchez and Foster. They're both owned by about a quarter of managers. Although the actual template is squarely on Emi Martinez. Um, It's like Nick Pope a couple of seasons ago. 39% of managers own Emi Martinez at the moment. I don't really know where to go with this. And there's lots of ways to look at it. I guess the key question, Anthony, is Sanchez or bust? Have you yep. looked at this?
0: Yeah, I have another thread, basically, that looked at this. And that's kind of the, you know, the key piece of data that I'm drawing on for an awful lot of my analysis here. So you can go and dig that up if you want. But really, Tom, I think when it comes to Sanchez, you are... Basically asking yourself, can Brighton turn expected clean sheets into clean sheets? Can they do it as much as they did in the second half of last season? When statistically, they weren't just one of the best defences in the Premier League. They were one of the best defences in Europe in expected stats. And this is the thing, like if they can do that, fantastic. Can they do that when White is away? We don't know, Uh, for example. Uh, Like, can they do it with, they they have decent fixtures. And this means that, you know, he finds himself in the template teams as well. I think to be perfectly honest with you, he's just such an easy pick. For game yeah. week one, that I feel like I can totally understand why every manager would just pick uh, Sanchez. Just yeah, all of the insane. stats point towards it, all of the fixtures point towards it, the price points towards it. There isn't really a compelling alternative at four point five. I think there's a strong argument for picking Elan Melier because Melier, basically, in a way that Sanchez doesn't, you know, ex- having good XGC and good XES in Sanchez's case means basically that he doesn't face many shots. He doesn't have to save much. He doesn't rack up BPSs. Melier, on the other hand, he's kept busy. He's racking up saves all the time. He's getting his points. almost. Did anyone have any more saves than him last season? I don't think so.
1: They did. I mean, Martinez did.
0: Except for Martinez, yeah. But he had had the
1: highest uh, saves per game, actually.
0: There we go. Yeah, Yeah. I knew there was one of those stats that he was way out ahead in. And this is the thing. like At 5.0, he could really be good value because that leaves defence wasn't bad last year it really wasn't if it improves even a little bit it's getting you know it's going to be a pretty good return for him um whereas martin's at 5.5 it's a little bit harder to make that argument for him I, I understand why people might put him in but at that point i would say stretch to mendy and put him into your side for 6.0 god now we're getting into
1: i can never spend more than 8.5 on my goalkeeper maybe maybe you know i could just about stretch to melier Um, But I I never want to spend any more than that. I think you're right on Sanchez. Obvious pick. Obviously, saves per game was two last year, but he only played half the season. One thing in his favour I did find was that his baseline BPS for Brighton in the defence, he's actually second uh, behind Dunk. Uh, If they have a 1-0 win, he's likely to get a random bonus if that happens. That's obviously very small um, because of the pass completion. Uh, Adam Webster uh, recently recent on new contract and he was saying that part of the Potter philosophy the Potter magic, was that the goalkeeper was an option for passing. So he could give it to Donkey or he could give it back to the goalkeeper. So it meant that Sanchez had this sort of, you know, the pass completion.
0: Um, Jesus, BPS yeah, racking the, the, up Exactly, that, 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 that,
1: that BPS sort of um uh, options open to him as well because of how Brighton play. A uh, very niche point, Um, but that could also mean that Sanchez, you know, is likely to get you a seven-pointer whereas other goalkeepers get you a six.
0: Whereas Melier could actually get you a nine. He yeah. could be
1: the kind of guy who shows up, you know, a way at Man City, keeps clean sheet and ends up with a 12-pointer. He's that kind yeah. of goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, San- um, Sanchez, 2.4 saves per game. Melier, 4.1. That's that's knocking up that one point for a save every well, actually, time with Melier. You know, that's, that's kind of such a handy thing, you know, Bonus points per game. It's zero point six bonus points per game for Melier. It's half that, zero point three for yeah, Sanchez.
1: I'm, I'm, I mean, look, we, we've looked, at, we, I, we can look at this a lot, and the answer we, yeah, is, I think that Sanchez is probably the guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Melia is probably the one who can play pay a bit more. You know, we're looking at players you know, like Guaytar at Palace. People like, oh, he could be interesting, but could, just look yeah. at something like a the XGC last year. His XGC present prevented was minus twelve point five, so he let in twelve point five goals or 13 goals more than he should have, according to the SGC. It's all a bit yucky. Um, We can't proclaim a new Martinez yet. We're hoping it's Sanchez. Obviously, he was taken off injured, but it was a precaution, apparently. You know what? Let's just chuck Edson in Stag and enjoy the 50-50 chance of a clean sheet every other game. Edison
0: got day. more points than any Man City defender last He did? Time. Like Pep Roulette hit so often and so many things happened to their defenders that Edison ended up outscoring them. Imagine just dodging all of the headaches and just keeping him there, chugging away, getting a clean sheet every <laughs> other week. And the, but, the, but the thing is, and this is why I mentioned um, Mendy, because the exact same thing can be said for him. Both the City and Chelsea defence in the second half of the season uh, city for the whole season we're basically getting a clean sheet every other game they're just perfect you know great 6.0 six points every week or every second week great great way to get it you know
1: <laughs> do you know who the best goalkeeper was last year though in terms of xgc in terms of xgc per game or uh, overall throughout the course of the season no tom I'll, I'll um allison a three plus 3.9 xgc uh, that was in the context of Liverpool conceiving the most big chances they have in the last five years. And uh, Alisson, elite goalkeeper, all- scoring at one end, obviously, um, but he um, stopped um, the most goals uh, compared to the amount of shots he faced uh, the other team at uh, 6.0. Oh. Are you ever going to go there? No, of course no. not. So you're looking probably at Sanchez versus uh, Melier, as we've mentioned. And I- I'm-, I'm not too kind of upset about that. So I think Sanchez and Foster.
0: Yeah, and that there's a potential 4.0 option there as well uh, in Foster, isn't there? Well, maybe.
1: That's one of them, isn't it? That, that could happen. But yeah, I, I completely understand Sanchez. Right. Um, shall we take a break there? Um, yes. Because there's obviously been a lot that we've <laughs> mentioned during this. Uh, probably give people who are listening a chance to kind of pause it. let it all percolate for a little while. And we'll be back in a minute
0: to start on the defense.
1: Who got the assist? Who got the assist?
0: Right, so we're back and we're moving on to defenders now. And so I think let's get us back focused onto that twemplate again, because that's what we're using as the crux of this whole entire podcast, looking um, at the potential FPL options this season. The twemplate defence is as follows. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Lucas Dean, Luke Shaw, Fofana and Ailing. So what you've got there is, you know, one super premium, two 5.5s, and then two in the 4.5 bracket. Yeah. Now, the one that really stands out there, of course, is the 7.5 option, Trent Alexander-Arnold. You may have heard of him. He's 28% owned. I think a bit like we were saying about Salah and Bruno, there is a question with TAA. Do you dare to go without Trent Alexander-Arnold in your side?
1: I, I think that, yeah, obviously <laughs> the twin plate is as it is. I think at the moment for good reason. Um, obviously, m- might see Ben White in there ahead of Fafana or Ailing. Uh, maybe you know, the Brandon Williams as of as well may come in. Four or five years ago, if we're doing this podcast, we were thinking value, defence, and putting all the money forward. Nowadays, it's not quite that way, especially this year. Um, and we'll talk about bigger the back in a minute. Uh, Trent-wise, though, do we dare look past him? No. Um, I think he's got prodigious creative and defensive potential. Last year, fifth most chance created, top 10 for XA. His eight assists was a bit of a drop-off. Um, but it's worth noting that his XA actually moves around a lot season to season so he's been in the Premier League as a live asset for three years now Um, in 2019-20 he got 15 assists from next day of 10 when he was fourth overall Um, but back in 2018-19 he got 13 assists so two assists less than in 2019-20 and obviously a fair few assists less than the eight last year um, from next day of just six so things really seem to veer around for him It's more about if his teammates can deliver more than anything else. And worth noting as well that Trent actually scored more points than any other player in FPL last season over the last 10 game weeks. He scored 66 um, over the last 10 game weeks. So um, obviously when he he gets going, he does get going. And I think I captained him actually one week where he did actually score a last-minute goal, which was brilliant. Um, Liverpool in general, I think, are due... Um, after their Anas um without DVD. Um We've added Cognate now uh, to maybe revert to the mean. Um, so last season, their HGC was 52.82 and they were also 8th for big chances conceded. So teams like Newcastle, Burnley, Everton all conceded less big chances than they did. Um, but Liverpool actually only conceded the 4th fewest goals in reality. In 2019-20 their it was 41. So last year, it was 53, actually, um, almost. Um, but 2019-20, it was 41. And then you can see the 33 goals. So they can nine more goals last season. Uh, they, they can see a lot of uh, big chances. So even with um, Virgil van Dijk, uh, with the fullbacks playing high, uh, the DVD Gomez access did mean there were a few... Big chances created, and anybody who was involved big the back back then will remember the fact that on the counter attack, there was the opportunity every game where they would concede one or two kind of big chances where, yeah, all your nerves were on end. And in 2018 19, uh, the magnum opus really uh, just 32 XGC and 23 goals conceded, uh, only, one, only 41 big chances conceded. Um, so I mean, Trent, I think, is one of those players who kind of sits beyond whatever. Like He basically, like, stats midfield-wise, as mentioned earlier as well, you've got a brilliant goalkeeper in Allison there um, yeah. who basically has the best SEC <coughs> stops in the Premier League. Um, but Liverpool in general were really interesting, I think, uh, because there is a legitimate case uh, to double up in the defence. Is Robertson better than Jota? I think it's probably one of the things here because for me, I mentioned look at my team uh, in a little bit, Robertson versus Jota is the big one for me. So last season, Robbo actually outscored Trent, 161 to 160. And comparing the two, they're basically the same player. It's just that Trent's expected profile and per-game profile is just a tiny bit better. But actually more important for me Um, is this sort of, you know, Liverpool question in general in terms of how we set up our teams, which kind of links us back to this kind of twin player idea. Um, Do we go for a third? I mean, I mentioned Jota's per 90 heroics and the comparisons in him and uh, Robertson's. We're looking at for a second. Um, It's not really due to the data. It's more contextual rather than factual. And it comes down to how you set up your team. So for Jota, if you were going to have your third midfielder being Jota, and um, I actually did ask Twitter about this and <laughs> I asked them you know um, how are you setting up are you doing free Liverpool with Robbo free Liverpool with Jota to Liverpool only and um, there are a few people who do have Mane in there but you know they, they're rightly marginalised from society uh, but the reality is that 51% um, of uh, 1,119 respondents were going with 2 Liverpool, 34% were going with Robertson and 15% were going with Jota. There were likes from, uh, of them, um, you know, Banty Castle, who were saying, you know, I can't believe Jota's been overlooked. I can kind of get it though. Um, so Jota, you know, obviously price point wise in the pros column, 7.5 midfielder slot, as I mentioned earlier, you know, he occupies that nice space between kind of, you know, Fernandez and the 6.5. His points per 90 brilliance is obviously there. Even if he doesn't play from the beginning, he can do something off the bench. And he's out of position. He's likely to play as a striker. But Jota, if he does play, that's a big bonus because you've got that team sheet shock Thing going on and he's the first man to be subbed normally if he does start as well and doesn't do very well and he's a bit of a points dodger as well as I mentioned earlier on you know, a bit of a poor finish on the cold streak whereas Robbo you know, he's got that consistency of starts and I don't think Shimmacast is going to be threatening, threatening him anytime soon he's got that clean sheet kind of bounce back ability I think it's going to happen and there's more routes to points so he took more corners last year than Trent for example and um, on the minor side though Robertson You know, you need to compromise elsewhere having him. And you will see that in my team later on. You need a dud forward or a dud mid. So we're going to make that happen. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, with Jota, there is this kind of idea that he's a transfer waiting to happen, whereas you don't really have that with Robertson. And the only kind of thing that happens there is that, similar to Jota, you've got disappointment if he gets subbed off. With Robertson, you've got that kind of, you know, losing that last minute clean sheet that really hurts and it hurts more you've got Trent and Robertson both doing it both losing it in theory I think in Liverpool defence is perfect for our uh, zombie teams if you double up and just let them forget but in practice we live our team's performances week to week so it's, it's quite difficult I think and um, I can see why people would mostly based on the data kind of be saying well if I'm going for Liverpool I'm going to go with Robertson um, but I mean are you surprised Anthony where people kind of saying that that would be the way they go
0: I, I I struggle to understand it. I think the double up is is kind of the way to go for the start of the season anyway, and it just allows you to do a wait and see on but to
1: just hedge your Jota. bets basically. Yeah, this is
0: it. Yeah, and and I'm not even talking about that from an ownership or um you know points against your perspective. I'm really just thinking about it from the perspective of just like like how are liver how going are liverpool going to be playing like. Jota and Robbo are about the same price, but when Robbo starts the game, he is on course to get a clean sheet. <laughs> you know, this is the thing. Is that like, and I expect Liverpool to keep clean sheets more frequently and more dependably than they did last season. Like it was a clean sheet kind of every three games was kind of how it worked out for them last year, you know, give or take a little bit. I expect that to go up to closer to the every other game metric. And that's that's fantastic. You know, that that gives you such a good head start. And whilst jota is literally according to xg 10 times more likely to score and whilst uh robo is kind of about twice as likely to pick up an assist those clean sheets make such a difference at that same no, price point and it is kind of that transfer waiting to happen thing as well that feeds into this the thing is that robo will just keep chugging away keep chugging away keep chugging away and i'm trying to be a slightly more disciplined manager this season <laughs> and so with that in mind you know, starting off with that double up and moving away from it, if I really feel the need to, is the way to go. And I think that there is a chance to get, you know, decent results early on by going with that double up. I mean, from an FPL perspective, just because other people are going to be you know, avoiding it because Liverpool absolutely. had a poor season last yeah, year. Absolutely. But it's easy to get away, I think, from the Rabo problem. It's much, much harder to kind of improve Jota to, let's say, a 9.0. Yeah. Um, uh, we've and with that in mind, yeah. that's why I would be kind of pro that double up at the back.
1: Well, hold that thought because um, for, for forwards, it means that I think with Robertson, you end up losing a striker um, to, in order to keep your team balanced. Um, and maybe that's something that we'll come on to in a little bit. Um, in the premium sort of area, though, you've got the Chelsea and City defenders who are kind of in that kind of space before we get the 5.5s, which we'll speak about in just a second. You know, Man City and Chelsea were first and second for um, XGC last year. And also, in terms of um, the fewest big chances conceded, um, Chelsea obviously tied up considerably under Trussell. And assist defence, um, you know, Diaz, set and forget, and is obviously out there. And Cancello as well, the forgotten man, a little bit. Don't forget, he was the top owned defender for a little bit last season. Uh, he said a full pre season. Could be one worth looking at six and also Chilwell um, at six uh, for Chelsea. I think with these players, there will come a time when they are in the meta, they're worth considering, people are going to be buying them in, but they've been squeezed out for now, haven't they, Anthony, by the support players in the 5.5 bracket. Um, and I don't think I've seen a year quite like this where you've got two players who are in the sort of twin plate um, Luke Shaw is one 47 owned and i think last season anthony we were a little bit kind of unsure about him weren't we I, think I remember doing a pod when we were kind of figuring out why his xa was where it was and why his chance creation was where it was and why his xa was a bit low but his chance creation was a bit high I mean, what do you make of him is it is it that kind of you know recency bias sort of element where because he did well in the Euros, people have been buying him in
0: yeah, I think that's a, a huge part of the show thing. I, I think a huge amount of it actually is recency bias and the fact that he plays for Manchester United as well. United players just tend to be more popular in FPL it is just a thing. And I think those two details are combining to really push him up on the agenda Especially because, like I guess, on the eye, he looks like a particularly good player as well. When he was playing for England, he looks like the type of player you'd want in FPL. The thing is, is that, as you say, Tom, last season we found that an awful lot of his chance creation stats were being ballooned by corners, which weren't necessarily doing anything. Um, He wasn't getting a huge amount of assists, and his underlying data, when you really dug into it, wasn't actually that good. And whilst you would have pretty big expectations of United's defence this season compared to previous years, obviously now they've got Ferran in and all these sort of things you think that's going to deliver clean sheets that a little bit more reliably. I still actually don't understand why Shaw is as nailed into the template as he is. Like he's one of the most owned players in the whole entire game right now at 47 and a half percent ownership. That mm. seems a little bit excessive to me, especially, you know, like the Leeds game is their first game of the season, but that's an awkward game. Like I would say that's a very yeah. awkward game.
1: It's not now on clean sheet, is it?
0: No, no, no. And so kind of with that in mind, like I actually personally do not have him in my side. I have Diaz instead. And it's kind of because of that, but I just, don't necessarily understand the hype.
1: Yeah, it's a proper FOMO pick, isn't it? Um, I mean, if you look at the data, actually, in terms of points potential um, for United, well, Maguire actually had the most headed attempts for Independent last season.
0: Oh, but it's always those headers that go yeah, back across the box. They're not pumping the <laughs> headers that you want. They're just always that same header that you saw at the Euros over and over again. Yeah, like he, he's no they're, Gareth McCauley. Scr- if it, it that Kevin way. Nolan played for Manchester United, yeah, second ball. Um, but I'm much more excited
1: by another 5.5 who's in the twin plate. That's Luka Dean um, or Lucas... Dinier, I think as you called him earlier on, which is a bit of a pronunciation issue, actually, Anthony. Um, that's poor of you. Yeah,
0: we need, we need to really dig into this one. I'm, I'm still not 100% sure about <laughs> I, I, I it. Right. I think it's Luca
1: Dean, but maybe I've been um, kind of uh, conditioned by always cheating in Dean's list. Um, who <laughs> yeah. knows? But anyway, um, so he was actually second for XA amongst vendors last season. Um, he got nine assists as well. Uh, so, second for assist amongst vendors, 120 points, which is a bit rubbish, actually, the second season in a row. And I think we all maybe are a bit guilty when we look at Luca Dean of falling prey to availability heuristic. But remember 1819, so as a very kind of retrievable memory, that's what availability heuristic is if you were on our paper science podcast, where... During that kind of famous run-in where we all saw Everton players because they didn't um, have a double game week, um, he went into that kind of period where he could up scoring. Uh, famously one week ago he got a brace and the next week he got a red card. Um, but there was a lot of kind of returns for him there. I guess what really interested me with Luca Dean is that Raff has come in and I think he could up the ante defensively. Um, like Dean is likely because of reasons <laughs> uh, to have the set piece monopoly shared with Hammers maybe but it looks like Hammers is actually not going to also be at the club by the sounds of it so he's got a good chance of keeping up that assists ratio that he's got at the moment but Raffarin should mean that defensive solidity might accompany that attacking potential that Dean's got he's going to keep those set pieces but it might mean that those five to six pointers turn into nine to ten pointers which is going to be quite big for him and I also noticed that Dean is second uh, for bonus in Everton's team, and he's further based on BPS. So a clean sheet and assist—if they do one, two goals per game—is likely to mean that he's in the mix for bonus, especially if you know keep clean sheet, you know, marginal gains, and all that. Uh, one smaller side though, uh, Rafa might curtail him a little bit. Um, in terms of getting forwards, the reason I say that is looking at Marcello's data at Real Madrid uh, during Rafa's season there in 2016. There was a huge drop off uh, in uh, Marcello's goals and assists per 90 in 2016 compared to the other season surrounding it. So it means that Dean maybe us defend more and play more of a, you know, in football manager parlance, a support or a defensive role rather than an attacking one. But, you know, against Millonarios, he did get forward to do stuff. But I think Dean could be given that kind of platform because he's got a defensive solidity alongside having set pieces, alongside being able to kind of provide early cross into the box. Uh, we'll get onto DCL in a bit where I'll expand on that a bit more. Um, I think Dean is one that I'm actually quite interested in, especially I don't have DCL at the moment. I think he could be one who I'm happy to kind of cover that with. And I think he could be one who's got a high upside for that price point.
0: Yeah, actually, funnily enough, you looked at Marcelo, I looked at uh, Rafa Benitez's last consistent left-back in the Premier League, uh, which is actually Matt Ritchie at Newcastle.
1: Oh, God, yes. second, Converted s- wing-back, though,
0: right? Yeah, converted wing-back, but in, in, in the same way that Luca Dina is a very attacking player, I would say the same Matt Ritchie as a left-back in the type of left back that they try to play as and like he right. wasn't too curtailed you know again a bit like Dina, he was right. benefiting from the use of set pieces and things but you know he, he tipped away nicely he got his points got his okay. shots in etc um there was certainly nothing in that data to put you off per se um but like rafael benitez is a very pragmatic manager he uses the tools that are at his disposal and um i think dina's foot and dcl's head are two <laughs> you know particularly useful tools yeah. in that everton team Absolutely.
1: Beyond the 5.5s, I think, I mean, there's lots of ways we could do it. There's obviously Matt at Spurs, who two or three seasons ago, he averaged actually over 10 big chances uh, per season on Nuno as well. But it depends on Nuno sets up on Spurs because at the end of the day, Nuno did sanction his sale. Um, But the big one, I said him, actually, on the first podcast back, I'm going to return to him again, um, is uh, Vladimir Shufal. Um, so I think he was a 5.0, but he was one who it basically is a 5.25. And I think uh, Josh Moore is cheating, basically said he was one goal away from being 5.5. I think that's pretty spot on, to be honest. But last year, he was equal sixth for chance created with Cancelo and fifth for XA amongst defenders. Everyone else around him, though, so Cresswell, you know, we could point out, you know, before he got injured in the game, we 31. He was nigh on for the 200 club, actually, Cresswell. Um, but Shufal, I mean, he's surrounded by players, actually, at his price point. And at the points he scored last season, Robertson, Trent, Cresswell, Shaw, Dean, they all had set pieces, to some extent, to puff up their XA data. Mm-hmm. Whereas he was fifth for XA. And what's really interesting about him is that he actually created 45 chances last year 10 of them were big chances, 22%. So more than one in five of the chances he created were big chances. No defender had a better ratio than that. And in fact, only Kevin De Bruyne and Harry Kane had better big chances to chance creative ratios than him in the Premier League last season. Oh, I'm talking to myself and Tim again. Um, but I, I feel that's actually pretty amazing. 5.0, like, I feel like if you can replicate that again, Anthony, he could be one who's worth looking
0: at. Completely, that is the case. I think the one thing that needs to be borne in mind if you're putting a West Ham defender into your team, though, and especially with the likes of Cresswell and Soufal, because they're not that depend, they're not that dependable from a clean sheet perspective. So you're kind of hoping for getting their attacking returns, which could come against anybody. And so I kind of feel like all of the returns that a West Ham defender might offer you are completely unpredictable. And so unless you're committing yourself to playing them week in, week out. I don't think they're the pick for you. Benching them will definitely lead to heartbreak in a way that you couldn't almost say the same thing for any other team's defenders. I think they're just these two are particularly kind of well teed up for that. At 5.0, though, he is a really, really, really um, tempting option. I've I've really considered him strongly, actually. And just I'm just kind of averse to West Ham. And I think I kind of start the season like this every year, where I just don't know how that team will gel together. This was a thing that was a bit of a narrative last season that West Ham did better because they didn't have a crowd there, you know, getting on the back of David Moyes and a team playing David Moyes football in the most odd way possible because this is just not the narrative with any other Premier League team. Will West Ham get worse because their fans have returned? it can be really interesting to see kind of all of those details in mind. I don't want to commit to a West Ham defender because I don't want to commit to playing them every week when I feel there is so much value to be had elsewhere. And as well, they have a few decent attacking players.
1: And um, you've got Wilson as well, which we'll come on to in just a little bit. Yes. yes. <laughs> so you don't want to do that to game week one. Elsewhere in the 5.0 is there's also one guy that's worth mentioning a little bit. Um, which is Lewis Dunk, Um, and um, obviously he had a toe injury, had a long-planned operation not very long ago. He'll be back for their next friendly. But last year, actually, he was 2nd in attempts uh, behind Maguire, and he had the highest, Anthony, uh, XG for an defender, 4.15. Brighton don't play a top-four team in the first eight game weeks, so people are going to think, oh, should I pay an extra 0.5 for this guy?
0: Interesting, actually, just the uh, the vagaries that come with XG data. The XG data that I'm looking at, is only listed as fifth in terms of XG <laughs> 2.1, uh, which just kind of shows you how kind of um, you know they're still subjective these things are. Go listen to our <laughs> one yeah, of our no, uh, summer I've specials got, to I've see got more hot, of that. The
1: Hob data here, I think. Yeah,
0: and, fix I, um Yeah, I'm using fix so It's yeah, yes. Um but you know, it's, it just shows you the vagaries of these things. Yeah, I think Dunk is obviously a good option. I think the problem with Dunk is is that unless you want to double up on the Brighton defence and like at that point, I think alarm bells need to be ringing in your head if you're talking about doubling up on the Brighton defence I think ahead of the start of the season Especially if you're going to do that by spending 4.5 on Sanchez and another 5 on Dunk I think it's just too much to ask like I'm, yeah. There are so many good options there at 5.0 and even 5.5 if you make that stretch To put Dunk in to get Brighton clean sheets seems like a little bit of a waste when there are perfectly good 4.5 defender options there from Brighton
1: Absolutely. I the other 5.0 is to cover off. Obviously, you've got lots of Tesco bag, Tierney, and you know, Soyonchu and Co. One that could be thrown into the mix is covering the Martinez potential Big Ouchie, uh, given the ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked at this very briefly. Um, I couldn't find anything to basically recommend any of the Villa Defense. Um, you no know, cash, concert, nowhere, target ninth for Chances Creators. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, Mings had 15 head attempts last season targets at the occasional corner I mean, you're really kind of clutching at straws and I, I don't like them at all I think we'll leave it there and we'll move on to the fringes um, which is obviously looking at Fafana and Ailing. Um and yeah, Fafana, boring pick, whatever mare player basically the only data he's got is he could keep clean sheet and uh, Johnny Evans has got plantar fasciitis, which means that he can sometimes, he, he's not going to be, be playing. Um, Ailing, um, I think, could be really interesting. So as our friend Seb Wassel always points out, Ailing actually had the highest XGI versus actual goal involvement gap of a new player last season. So his XGI was uh, 4.9 higher than his actual returns. So, so no returns there. I can see why he's also in you know the, the meta, as it were. And surely that's not going to happen again. Um, 4.5, so Anthony,
0: is there anybody you're favouring here? It's an extremely difficult question. Um, I can see why Ailing kind of stands out just from those kind of chances created create a perspective. You could, you could kind of point at the likes of uh, Loughton as well in that kind of, you know, cheap, accessible category. Oh, yeah. No, he's
1: but, on, the, on the list
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... To be honest with you, I think now that Ben White has moved to Arsenal, he has kind of superseded all the rest of them just because Arsenal's defense is actually quite good and has improved, you know, markedly in recent times towards the end of last season. It was actually starting to become a defense that you could buy into. And now having a 4.5 option in there, I think makes that a pretty easy choice. Yeah. yeah, Like the thing with, I think Fofana is such a tempting option, but. Number one, OK, yeah, you've got the plantar fasciitis, as you say, with Evans. That means that Fofana will get his game time. and But Fofana has competition for centre-back berths if they're playing a two, two centre-backs. And Leicester's defence hasn't actually been that good anyway. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, I don't understand really the kind of the push for him. I think people have just kind of gone with, oh, Leicester, they finished high last year. Oh, Fofana, 4.5, great. <laughs> yeah. And kind of put him into the side. And I don't think there's much more to that. Uh, ailing as i say the chance to create it makes it tempting i do wonder and i'd love if someone could look at the data is it just because the fact that ailing is crossing from a side that ends up landing balls on bamford's weaker foot means that he doesn't end up getting as many assists as he might yeah yeah it's the sort of thing like it's a very kind of like you know fifa diagnostic but you know it's it's entirely possible so it would be unusual to say the least if that was the case but Either way, it's just those early difficult fixtures for Leeds, a bit like we were talking about Rafinha earlier, means that he doesn't find his way into my initial squad. But I think that Leeds defence, and we were talking about Melier earlier, will offer pretty good value at times, and Ailing is you know, the cheap route yeah. into it that might produce something for you attack-wise too.
1: I, I just think overall, these are a set of players who are proper fringe. You know, They're the kind of player who's going to be first sub, second sub, um it's not like the days of old where this kind of player would be your 11th man i think they're kind of firmly on your bench i mean i've got you know Veltman at the moment basically because if you look at his data he's got he had the first best xa of the 4.5s left in the premier league after last season and he obviously is quite um versatile so he could play in the center back role he could play in the right wing back role if Lampty's not around um but you're you know Ben White I think is probably going to be as you said the one who logically if you were going to be making a zombie team would be the one who'd be thrown in just because at the end of the day I think you'd be expecting him to get 130, 140 points Perfect. That's what we're looking at. Uh, Aiden could do that as well.
0: Yeah, um, and then just in the to watch, but fixtures means that they're not initially in our plans. The likes of Cody, I would say, is in that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Jakob Anderson at Palace, just because he was such an, a menace at corners for Fulham. Uh, I could see mm-hmm. a team that's in transition just trying to pick up a few goals off corners, use it, taking the easy option with him. So he could be a pretty interesting option for Palace when their fixtures turn, but their fixtures are just diabolical for ages. And then, yeah, then there's the Burnley too, of Loughton and Taylor, but not now.
1: I think lowton actually was uh, the most creative of this lot. Um, but yeah, it, you're really scraping the barrel, aren't you? Yeah. And 4.0, sure. let's not even go there. I mean, you, you've got you know, Om, Om, Omid Bamidele at Norwich. You've got Brandon Williams at Norwich. Um,
0: Potential Brandon
1: Williams, yeah. And I mean, there's no wan There's no Lindstrom this season, as far as I know. Um, so it sounds like we're kind of broadly kind of questioning the 4.5s there in the swim plate we kind of know why they're there it kind of makes sense that they're in in, in the swim plate so there it kind of goes um i think let's move on to the forwards uh the three who are in the forwards kind of option are uh, Watkins Antonio Antonio is a bit contentious I, I originally put DCL in there actually and uh Tony but his ownership actually has declined. I think it's around kind of 40% mark and now it's around the kind of the third mark. But one of the things that obviously is noticeable is that the premium strikers are left out of the twin plate at this point. Is that because of big at the back? Is that because of you know the fact that you know in midfield you're looking at Bruno and looking at Salah? Probably yes. And also because there's an uncertainty about Kane out on Twitter. 29% of people own Kane in their teams. So there's huge ownership, and that's obviously due to him being Tasman King last year. They all read Tasman theory, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's worth restating the findings of that one more time. Obviously, last year he was the Golden Boot, Golden Sister, and and it was a huge turnaround for Kane. We all kind of brushed past it due to hindsight bias. I think a bit, creeping determinism. You know, the I knew a long effect. You know, last season we looked at him really skeptically. We were laughing at people who had him in game week one, game week two. And I looked at last year's notes for this Anthony when we were doing this. And I noticed in that his exit velocity from last season was something to behold, but there was nothing else apart from that because I kind of was too busy focusing on Anthony Martial. (laughs) (laughs) Because after his ridiculous project restart, I wanted to fit him into my team. But Kane's still a player who comes with a guarantee wherever he is of scoring 15 goals per season. It's just the contextual uncertainty about him which is throwing people off. Um, if he goes to City, uh, it's probably where it's interesting at this point. Um, I think he becomes pretty damn sexy, actually. Um, he's not mobile, really, but I like to think about how Pep changed Kun Aguero. Uh, So Aguero used to be a poacher, or an advanced forward manager of parlance uh, before Pep got his hand on him. Now, don't forget, you know, Jesus came in and there was lots of chat. Remember the infamous Jamie Jackson moment ahead uh, of Huddersfield in oh, Game Week 2, 2018
0: 19? Oh, oh, my word, I'd forgotten.
1: Yeah, uh, which I think still means that Jamie Jackson hates FPL. But anyway, there was a friction uh, allegedly between Pep and Aguero. Um, but I think Kane does what Pep wants Aguero to do. Leads the line, gets involved in the plays, love a striker with the ball. But I feel like in some ways, he's the ideal kind of integrative striker that Pep is looking to spearhead a team of his. You know, a creative player who is lethal as well when offered a chance. But at the time of recording, he's not just on the training. Um, so I think he could be left out of the mix. And I think, you know, Anthony, you know, the likes of him, Vardy, Aubameyang, Werner, Firmino, Basically everybody down um, to Dominic
0: in the eight, they've all got problems with them, haven't they? Easy answer, short answer, yes. It's it's the risk, I think, more than anything that means that none of these other options are interesting. So, like someone like Vardi, I think you could build a case for you would say that he's, you know, he is aging and he's changing his profile, and so now you're depending on penalties and assists and you know, getting the odd goal and all this sort of thing, you could point to some of the Arsenal players Aubameyang pretty much and say, Hmm. I think that Arsenal are going to turn the corner. But eh, it's, it's, it's hard to. Bamford is the one you could point to and say 8.0, it's just that it's, it's high. But it kind of brings him into that just above all of the 7.5 and 7 options that we have. And I think that actually makes him a premium just because he's not one of them and even for him, I think you can start to kind of construct arguments yeah, against yeah. him based on fixtures and things, but also based perhaps on all the tropes that used to be associated with him before he surprised everyone last year with a really, really good season. That that is why we've just ended up kind of all falling into this kind of 7.5 and 7 to maybe 6.5 trap, isn't it?
1: Yeah, basically the template is Watkins, Antonio, Tony. Um, mm. Watkins, my 35%. Tony by 32% and DCL on 27%. Bamford's 18% owned and Nacho, uh, 14% owned. Basically, we've got a mid-priced forwards glut in this kind of support area. Are we realistically, basically Anthony, fishing in the same pool of players? Are we looking at basically kind of making three or two or three from four or five? Watkins, Tony, DCL, Antonio and maybe Bamford seem to be the ones for me.
0: Alan Wilson, I would throw into that as well. Yeah, what i throw into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. And I think you can, again, it's a bit like this. You can construct arguments in favour of all of them. So, you know, you look at the likes of Watkins and you, you can point to, obviously, his returns last season. You can point to the fact that he was able to, and Greenwich wasn't in the team. His stats were good. You know, his exit velocity, as you would have called it in talisman theory, was pretty good as well. Um, Tony, you point to, obviously, his record in the championship where he was absolutely out. Phenomenal DCL. I think you're pointing to the start of last season. This is the thing with DCL, and I find it quite interesting. And then you're also pointing at the fact that Everton's fixtures are pretty much far and away the best of any clubs, kind of in the first six, eight, ten game weeks. Mm. Antonio, it's a little bit more difficult, but I think this is just me revealing my reticence on West Ham again. That with him I've just been burnt too many times as well, which injuries. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, that I find it,
1: hamstrings, yeah.
0: Yes, and like no matter how good his underlying stats often are when he's playing and just you know for example even in the final in the second half of last season like he's right up there in terms of xg's the third best for forwards for xg behind only hinacho and kane he's fantastic and hinacho is one we haven't mentioned here he's kind of getting the raw end of this deal because we've kind of put question marks i think back over his game time just because of daca and because of the Vardy stuff and everything but also just because Lester's fixtures are a little bit tough, but the thing with him and Inacho, I think, could be a real a decision that the Twemplate comes to rue is excluding him. Just it depends on
1: the community show, sure, doesn't it? Like if he shows does, up in yeah, that game and even, he
0: does a goal, then suddenly but, he's in every. Team. Yeah, but this is it, Tom. Like he could score a one-yard tap-in that he you know got <laughs> through absolutely you know through no yeah. uh, scale of his own. Like it could just be a spill by Ederson. And suddenly yeah. we're going to find yeah, that Inacho is going to be a must-buy yeah. player. And he, at 7.5, like given ha- his exit velocity last season, honestly, if he was priced 8 or 8.5, I wouldn't have been surprised. And so that 7.5 price tag looks very, very tempting. And also, you know, he, did, he didn't have Euros, which helps.
1: No, absolutely. I, I think that's, that's basically it with Inacho. <laughs> I think it's just one of those things where, no, it's not for football manager. He's not going to be something he drops. I'm assuming he's going to play that game against Man City. It's just that with Dakar, with Barnes, with Vardy, how is it all going to fit together in the, the sharp end of Leicester? And that's a tough one. Um, uh, just dive into these players. i mean, Bamford's hero of talisman theory. I don't know, bang on about this guy too much. Many people have basically said, you know, 8 million is too much. Um, but he was involved in 45% of those 62 goals last season for Leeds. That's just silly, actually. If you think about a team who to the eye test were wave after wave of white shirts piling forward. He was sit down in theory, okay, I'm bang on again. Um, but I, I think maybe we hinge again on the hindsight bias because he's 8 million now, but he scored 194 points last season. Yeah. There's definitely a case that you know he could potentially be a bit kind of fixture-proof almost. I mean, I think we remember him at the end of last season you know, coming off after 60 minutes a lot, or before 60 minutes a lot. Um, but actually, he was actually only subbed in game with 34 and 36 before 60. So I think that we kind of all owned him around that sort of time. And we all kind of felt that. But, but could that 194 points be his ya yah year? But last year, he had, you know, the most shots, most shots in the box, most shots on target, most big chances, most XG. And he was second to Kane for his actual goal scored for, amongst strikers and you know his opening games are nice ever seen burning Liverpool and um, maybe they're ones have your eye on basically I think that that could be one that's interesting um, uh, Calvert-Lewin though yeah I, I think you're probably right about him being one who slowed down a lot um, 13 of his 16 goals was scored by February last mm-hmm. year so 80% of his output was done by February it was all over yeah. them he was done it was, it was, over, it was all over for him um, but there's a really good point, actually, um, by always cheating with Brandon about um, Rondon and Newcastle um, and how Rafa made him do his job.
0: First Boyd, now Rondon. I'm, I'm really getting know, the
1: drawbacks. I know, I, I'm definitely kind of you know uh, uh, replaying all the classics. Um, but I did a comparison between Rondon when he was at West Brom and Rondon when he was at Newcastle. And his role really changed, actually, if you look at the stats. So his expected stats actually increased by a third under Rafa. Um, His frequency of shots, shots in the box increase, uh, his goal involvement off the charts, uh, but actually have far fewer touches of the ball. And his heat map actually showed him being in the box a lot more. Um, And maybe that may happen DCL where he's not actually dropping back. He's more kind of, you know, uh, six position sort of thing. And actually, DCL was a lot more accurate with his shooting than Rondon. So, um, fifty-five percent last season uh, shots on target uh, for DCL versus you know when Rondon was in his prime uh, of Newcastle uh, back in the day. So uh, he could be actually be really interesting. And what's really interesting as well um, is the the contextual data uh, where you kind of read that um, there's crossing uh, practice going on in in Everton training. You know, the likes of uh, Dean, the likes of Andrew Townsend, like of Demarai Gray are uh, kind of feeding in chances.
0: I do feel like that's a real, uh, you know, we've picked out an article that suits, not, not not, accusing you, but I feel like that's a real article that's been oh, kind of picked out or a yeah. point that's been picked out. It's like there isn't a team in the Premier League that doesn't do crossing training, you know, and it's just kind of like... that's been picked out because it kind of just fits the trope with that Newcastle team I
1: I, I haven't got Calvert at the moment who I do have is Watkins who's in the twin plate Um, I think that's fixtures I think so you'll see in front of you if you're watching or if you're listening uh, Watford Newcastle and Brentford and the first three games so two promoted teams in the first three fixtures two home games as well in the front three Mm -hmm. and the key stats with Watkins we mentioned him actually uh, I think in the first probably did back I've done a little bit more kind of digging on this so obviously XG of 16.28 14 goals whatever that's pretty decent for the first season of Premier League but he actually hit the woodwork Anthony seven times that's actually only Harry Kane hit the woodwork more Last year, and he also had two goals ruled out by VAR. That's joint first amount of goals ruled out by VAR. I mean, you count in two of those goals hit the wood, woodwork going in. One of those VAR goals, like you know, something he's got eighteen or nineteen goals, and yeah. suddenly he is eight point five plus. So potentially he could be one who I can really
0: understand basically why he's into Play. Look, we've talked about the 200 club quite a lot in this episode and in previous episodes. I think with Watkins, I'm not saying that he will be in the 200 club, but one of the kind of like entry criteria usually for being in the 200 club is being capable of getting to double figures for both goals and assists. He is more than capable. He was one short in terms of assists. He got nine assists. He was just on it. Bamford actually did it. Yeah, I think- it didn't quite didn't quite get there, but you know, a hair's breadth. Someone else hit the yeah. post probably off some pass he gave. And you know, you're just like, there you go. Like that's how close he got to it. And I think he kind of he does have that link up play that kind of provides you with that second outlet for points in a way that like you could also say for Raúl Jiménez or indeed Bamford, as I was saying too.
1: No, absolutely. All right. So Raúl Jiménez. Yeah. I mean, let's keep an eye on him. Game week four. Um, when their fixtures turn. But I think there's a couple of other guys to mention here. We mentioned Antonio already. Uh, uh, Tony, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier on, even likes of FPL Salah my um, friend Abdul has broken his rule on uh, Tony just because he kind of noted that there's no one between the six to seven kind of million uh, kind of price points um, that are interesting given the fixtures for Tony uh, obviously it's Chris Wood at seven or whatever um, and even uh, BNM Fernando's uh, Miles Nardo has basically said that Tony um, outside of overthinking is not worth not starting with it was actually involved in 52% of Brentford's goals last season Tony I think it's, it's a FOMO pick but I'm happy to go with it um, but there's Callum Wilson which I think we should probably just meditate on here uh, before we hit towards the end just because <laughs> I know he's your man and he was also a proper hero of talisman theory this year um, 12 goals assists last season 134 points set by injury problems. I mean, he actually had his lowest kind of game time of the last three years, but he was still involved in 37% of Newcastle's goals and a massive 51% of the goals scored when he was actually on the pitch. It was the second time in the last three years he's done this, where he's got over 50% of the goals scored from the team he plays for when he's on the pitch. So Bournemouth in 2018-19, he actually was involved in 52% of the goals that they scored. But he's a proper talisman, isn't he? And uh, he also loves playing West Ham, um, who he plays up first. I remember Hamblegate a little while ago when he was at Bournemouth. And he scored against each of Newcastle's opponents in the first four games recently. A proper set and forget. Uh, Anthony, you're, you're a big fan of Wilson, aren't
0: you? Yeah, he just always finds his way into my FPL team and he always seems to find a way to provide points for my FPL team. And these are, you know, important features of FPL is having a player who gets (laughs) points for your team. And I just just like it. Yeah. Part of it is the fact that, you know, he does come out so well in talisman theory. Like it's it's ridiculous how much Newcastle rely on him and previously Bournemouth relied upon him. And he is a very, very good player from that perspective. Injuries are a problem and even I actually got a bit unlucky last year with him and just didn't quite work out for me in that sense but I still got a nice few points off him uh but like if you just sort even last season which I think we would all agree was an off season for him not as off as the last season at Bournemouth but an off season because of his timeout or whatever 12 goals six assists if you sort per game he was fourth for strikers for for goals if you strike if you sort per game as well for assists he was eighth for strikers and in terms of FPL points the golden thing because of all those sweet, sweet (laughs) bonus points he was getting because nobody else in Newcastle does anything. He was third for points per game for forwards. The man's a prodigy. Like, it's just incredible. (laughs) He just just prints points when he manages to make it onto the pitch. Uh, West Ham first, um, who I fancy to potentially be serially flaky. Then you've got Aston Villa, And I think he's just the perfect character to be the heartbreaker of the FPL community Um, or those, those managers who happen to have Martinez, Southampton, they're Southampton, they're beatable. And then there's Man United and like, He's entirely prone to uh, scoring against Man United. Yeah, I yeah. Just, Gen- there's Gen- no Gen- game. B- yeah, the BS 90th minute penalty. This is Alan it. Like, Wilson, but there's yeah, this this right. is it. Yeah, don't watch the game. Don't not watch yeah, the game. Don't even watch not. the highlights. Just check out the stats at the end and just count your points. And you know, with you know, just be delighted with yourself and just be smug. But don't ever watch him. Never watch him because yeah, you'll be totally I, I, put I, off I I genuinely do quite want him. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. Like you look at all 38 fixtures and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I could totally see him scoring.
1: Um, final thing to kind of cover off here in the uh in the fringes um for the striker territory and um, no one's in template uh 6.0 to 4.5 or 5.5 actually to uh 4.5 uh davis uh, keenan davis fergie's mate highest aim eight percent any bargains down here not really um not quite yet at least um so pookie um could get there a, i
0: think there's one bargain in their Tom.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, so could get there. Uh, one to watch from game week four. 11 goals, three assists last time he was in the Premier League. And Talisman King, he did dry up up January last time he was in the Premier League. Didn't score again in the Premier League um, after scoring the Constellation versus Spurs in game 24 um, last year. And the Josh King, 5.5. Uh, 5. Uh, some hefty points totals under his belt but remains to be seen, which the thousands of forwards, I think there's about 10, um, are given game time. Before I move on, I watch,
0: what, what have yes. you
1: found? What, what, what gem have you unearthed here?
0: I've been browsing the talent of Northern England and I have honed in on Turf Moor. Honed in, Homed
1: in, homed, uh, honed home, in, honed in, happen. Homed that's in, not, not in, in in this
0: case, homed in, yeah, Homed in on Turf Moor. And what I've realized is nice, that Chris Wood, Chris Wood is not there. That's the key detail. He's, he's at the Olympics, or he has been at the Olympics. And so that leaves a Burnley striker at 5.5 who needs to be playing.
1: At Who's it going to be? Barnes. I don't know.
0: But I suspect it's going to be, sometimes Austria's finest, Ashley Barnes. Yeah, that's, that's the potential option in there at 5.5. If you're really trying to plug a hole in your team, yeah, you'll, you'll be there to score the inevitable goal against Brighton in game week one. <laughs> Uh, but there is a bunch of other players in there, most of whom play for Watford, yeah, and most J-J of whom you don't Rob, want
1: Vidra, whatever.
0: Oh yeah, but like yeah, this year anyway, it doesn't seem right now anyway that the bargain basement strikers yeah, are going to be it's, interesting. It's fun to watch, isn't it? More than anything. yeah, yeah.
1: All right. So, other thoughts then, basically, what's your overall view of the pricing this season, Anthony?
0: They've given us some difficult choices as they should do. I'm not sure if they've given us enough difficult choices when you look at things um, on a micro level on a per-team basis. Like, for example, the, the Mane thing really annoys me. The fact that United, maybe, you know, they could have classified one of their midfielders as a striker just to cause yeah, just a little bit more uh, headaches in the way that they did with but Aubameyang. We have mentioned Cavani, yeah.
1: I mean, that, he's, again, one of those players who could kind of... Yeah, really he yeah, bri-
0: briefly came up. yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Like Maybe he might. Uh, it's just early on, again, people just aren't sure what to do with him. Um, yeah, I think overall it is good. Uh, the, the lack of 4.5 defenders is quite interesting. I think in previous years, we've had far more decisions to make on that uh, okay. maybe,
1: maybe that's Lampy though. I think without Lampy, it becomes really boring. But we've there, there, there had plenty a player of- who you could play every game week for the first eight games.
0: Yeah, there are plenty. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But there are plenty of other four point five options, even Brighton ones that you could be picking and you know doing that for, and you know they're as likely as Lampy basically to do anything. Not is as lively ex-liably. as Lampy, are they. No, yeah. no, no one's as, almost nobody's as lively as Lampy. That's the overall view of the pricing. That there are odd gaps. Where you know the 4.5 <laughs> yeah. defenders, I would have expected there to be more headaches. There's a whole like section of midfielders that I would have expected there to be mm. more headaches that there just isn't right now. And then in strikers, obviously, it is very odd that basically everyone north of eight million is just out of question right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. Every year, I think, throws up his own kind of set of questions. I remember last year as well. You know, we were all contending with you know City and United missing game week one. Remember, I was making the case on this kind of equivalent podcast for having Martial on your bench. And every year as well, you have your set of kind of male players that you don't really think about too much. Um, So this year for me it's Salah, Trent, Bruno, Watkins, Dean, Short and Foster. Foster, yeah, 4.0. Wow. But none of them have really left my team. I've not really thought about them. And you'll be building around them um, in practice, so it means you've got kind of you know, just over half a team maybe to tinker with, well, eighty-eight spots this year. I'm tinkering with, and this year I think more than ever it's about getting balance right in terms of price points. Um, and as you mentioned, as we've mentioned, there's lots of a, attractive defensive op- options and big at the back. could Perhaps be back because you've got Trent, mm-hmm. you've got Dean, you've got um, Shaw, and.
0: I have the ward uh, da, 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 at the right. moment, which well, is w- which is White, Alexander Arnold, Robertson, Diaz, and then the da, 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 bit of it is DJ. <laughs> yeah,
1: and um, I, I think there's yeah, definitely that. I think that in the midfield and the in the striker spots, you've got kind of a lot of players that FPL have hedged their bets on, basically. You know, could Watkins take off? Um, could Jota take off? You know, they're all kind of in the middle kind of area. You know, kind of a kind of a homogenous yeah. kind of blur. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of the time, actually, for me, it kind of homes in, homes in on them. Um, whether you kind of take a a third Liverpool player, uh, just because the beginning of the season, for Liverpool is pretty decent. Um, I think there is definitely a lot of interest um, in terms of. If you are able to look past last season, Liverpool basically have, you know, they, they, place, they, they do face a Chelsea in game week three, Manchester in game week seven. Um, but six of their first eight opening games are not bad at all. And there is, uh, to move on to my team here, um, a lot of kind of questions surrounding Triple Liverpool or not. Just because I think Robertson knock, knocks out the third striker for me. I mean, I've got weird magnetic attraction to Wilson. Maybe I've been sort of, um, um, you know, incepted by you, but I can't really work out where I go here really because I feel like I just have the first striker. But do I trust Jotter to make it all kind of fit together or do I hedge it completely and go with, you know, TAA salary or do something else? Or do I have the courage to go no brew? I'm not really sure. That, yeah, know, like for, right for, for those
0: for those on audio, I think the the thing that's key to note about your team is that your your bench, as it stands, is Brownhill, Veltman, and Davis. and, yeah, Brown and the Hill whole team basically, is Sanchez
1: yeah, in goal, and um, Trent Robertson, Shaw, Dean at the back, Salah, Fernandez, Havertz, ESR, and then Tony and Watkins uh, being the striking duo. It's
0: it's it's the Brownhill that is your your bench that makes me quite concerned.
1: You know. But he's going to play. He he, he did actually play um, the majority of the games last year. No, so no,
0: no, 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 no. I'm 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 use, I'm using his name as a descriptor. <laughs> it's just like it's just it's just not a particularly good bench, you know. Yeah. Like okay, Velt, uh, Veltman Veltman plays Brownhill tips along, and then you've got Davis. Yeah. Um It's well, just I, it's, it, you're right, a, you're a hitter you using two free transfers away from fixing something.
1: Yeah, maybe. Uh, you're, I think you're in the kind of um, the Adam Pritchard sort of ultra-cautious sort of uh, area. I don't, I'm I don't not know. particularly worried about that. And I, it doesn't, yeah. does, doesn't worry me at all.
0: Are um, you going to wildcard early?
1: Do you think? I'm... Um, I, I'm not too sure about that. I'm, I'm not too sure. I think that because you can... What well, I didn't like about this team and I'm no way, any way, locked... Is that I've got to take kind of Smith throw out game week two, game week three, when they play Chelsea and Man City, potentially, and throw in Veltman, um, mm-hmm. who's on my bench, um, as you the what for Neverson games. I think that it's a nice enough kind of starting point. The big one for me, as I said earlier, is basically having that kind of third Liverpool player, because Robertson basically means that I don't have that third striker. And do I want Wilson in there? Do want to get rid of Robertson having 4.5 million with Defender? Maybe. Um, I'm not too sure yet. I do like this squad, but I'm,
0: I'm just not too sure. I would ask you to to show the viewers at home the alternative choice, the hourglass approach, which doesn't quite do what you've said there, but still manages to have three strikers. Do yeah, knock I, on to-
1: I'm not, yeah, I mean, that, that's something that also has crossed my mind. But I'm, I mean, i am I going to have five at the back? I mean at the beginning of the season when the games have not been played you're like oh that's really interesting the reality is <laughs> when you've actually sat through games where you've got you know five defenders going yeah it's tough um anthony Cheers. um so how are you set up and um, looking at this you are in a uh 5 2 so you're in the uh uh, the inverse triangle formation, <laughs> yes. The, the Christmas Sanchez, tree. You, you've gone with Alexander Arnold, Robertson, uh, Ben White, Diaz, and Dean, and the midfield Salah, Bruno Fernandez, and you've also ended up in that pitfall with the six point zero midfielder, midfielder,
0: and triore. It's great. Somehow
1: Tony's ended up on your bench. Um, well, like that's just week one.
0: Yeah, right. So there's, a, there's a decision there between: do you play White? Away to Brentford or Tony at home to Arsenal. Mm. You know, that's, okay. there's a bit of it. There's a bit of a debate there. Like, I can't say that I love this team or anything, but yeah, I certainly like the defense. It?
1: It's a 4 four-three-three, isn't it? You're going to play Tony away. That's a, that's the foregone conclusion. And have Tony Wilson and Watkins, which I think he, is the, the free up front I want. Yeah, well.
0: I, I, I like. I again have Brownhill uh, on the bench, and you could, I guess, arguably describe my defense as a Brownhill as well, in that like it's got Brownhill and Alan the previously Hmm. mentioned hero of the bargain basement midfielder category Uh, and then of course it has tony so you know it's like whereas you have let's say a playing a playing useful asset in veltman i have tony or white i guess for that position
1: i have esr who becomes game week two becomes that guy and veltman plays so i end up with same as you having a bum heavy kind of thing
0: yeah, and I I I like it though. That's this is the thing is that okay, so I've got the, I've got my obligatory Brighton defense thing going on with Sanchez. I want to double up on Liverpool. I'm not particularly interested in Jota right now, so that's Ta and Robertson put in. I I can't really get into any of the debates to have one of the cheaper Liverpool defenders instead. Uh, White, I'm quite happy with the 4.5 option, uh, and I don't really feel the yeah, need to I, squeeze I, down I, to 4.0. Um, especially like IP. okay, I bring him down to 4.0 just to make a fodder, for example. like It's not like there's some 5.0 midfielder that I really want that I would upgrade to from Brownhill or Alan. There's just no benefit there that really kind of tempts me. Diaz, I I want a Man City defender. I think there's a real chance to get ahead there uh, that other people just aren't really buying into. So Diaz is in there as the nailed of them. And then Dina is in. He's uh, the most recent inclusion of this defence. Uh, it was actually only when I did a bit of a thread the other day that I really kind of honed, honed, Tom, in on the Dina. there's a lot of interest there, you know, those really good Everton fixtures. And as you said, I think about Dina too, it's like, I don't have Calvert-Lewin, I have Dina at least.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, I think that that's kind of the, the same sort of um, the balance I've struck. All right. Well, we've spoken for a while, but hopefully that was really useful in terms of, you know, giving an idea of how this year's uh, pricing
0: has fallen out thanks very much for listening guys i think that pretty much rounds off this show if you haven't listened to our summer specials there were three of them posted over the last few weeks they are all really good they've all been really well received and i think you'd really enjoy them if you haven't listened to them already uh if you have listened to those well you know then that we are who got the assist and thanks so much for listening don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already we would really appreciate if you could give us a five-star review on whatever app you listen to this podcast on because that certainly helps us in feeds and you know it's the start of the season this is when new listeners come on board and so your five stars does an awful lot for our metrics at this point the league code if you want to join our FPL league is 2IP43T you can do a Partridge-esque tinkle to it and go to ip 43 t if you want to remember it and then go <laughs> and type it <laughs> it's really good to be back thanks so much for listening
1: yeah thanks very much um, we'll be back next week for the final preview ahead of game week one we're joined by a familiar face uh, but in the meantime hostess Stu uh, think about the prices ahead of the new season and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got
0: the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.